0: You're listening to episode 107 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives.
1: Guys, I, I feel a void in my life. I didn't tell you about this, but when we were in New York, I made a really deep connection with someone. We came up with a, an elaborate handshake that was sealed with a kiss. <laughs> a what?
2: <laughs> <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> uh, Wait, with, is he here? Who? Well, it was Dan Doherty. Oh! Hey!
0: Dan, I here. hello!
1: I magically appeared. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> How's it going, Dan? Good, how you doing?
0: We're doing well, we're doing well. I have a question. Uh, So, did you really seal the deal with Phil?
3: Well, if I may explain. Um... Please that, do. That handshake was there to make sure that we knew that the other one wasn't an imposter. So if you got a kiss from someone, <laughs> I think you might have kissed an imposter.
4: <laughs> oh no! Oh no! Who oh, no. knows?
3: <laughs> you got the imposter, herp.
1: <laughs> oh man. Oh rough. I thought we had
3: something. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> I'll, so I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll kiss next
0: time. <laughs> uh, hot? Can oh, we record it? Here first. <laughs> um. our,
3: our handshake was very elaborate, though. So I might have just thrown a kiss in there and forgot about it. I don't know. There was a lot.
2: There's a lot going for- on in
3: that handshake. You forgot about our kiss? <laughs> hey, I'm kissing a lot of podcasters. <laughs> <laughs>
5: How dare you, sir? How dare
0: How dare you?
3: It's a free, it's a free world, sir. It's a free world.
0: <laughs> so for those of you who are somehow still unfamiliar <laughs> with Dan Doherty, Dan is a creator who's blowing up. Uh, we interviewed him at New York Comic Con uh, this past year, but uh, Beardo is a huge book. Uh, he's got Cosa Nostra with Dirk Manning, and of course... His latest release is Floppy Cop, which uh, I am a huge fan of, and uh, I highly, highly recommend that you guys go pick it up. So, Dan, right now you're actually on the road, right?
3: Correct. I am on my way to Grand Rapids Comic Con.
0: Awesome. And uh, what's that con like? We we haven't uh, ventured over there. We're East Coast boys.
3: Oh, it's, it's a cool show. It's usually like the it's one of the last shows of the year. Uh, I don't really know too many more that that come after Grand Rapids, and for a lot of creators, it seems like it's kind of like a, a good um, finale to the to the season. And I just love Grand Rapids too. I got a lot of friends and um, and connections there, so I kind of I'm <laughs> actually not officially tabling. I'm just going partly to hang out with my friends, partly to go to the drink and draw, and then we tack. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a big part. <laughs> um, and then uh, we tacked on this really cool thing for Floppy Cop. We're, we're premiering the official Source Point Press issues one and two of it at Grand Rapids. So we, we managed to make this a special occasion um, and bring together the entire creative team for the book.
0: Wow, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, it's, it's not an easy task because we're all, well, I mean, Seth is from Grand Rapids area at least. Uh, Seth the Moose is the artist on the book, he'll, he'll be there all weekend, um, but Jay Foskett is, is not necessarily from that area of Michigan, I think he's a couple hours away, and then Melena DeNano, uh, the colorist, and myself are from the Chicago area, so like we're all coming up just for today to, to sign the books, and sign some prints, and, and push Flocking Cops as, as uh, hard as we can.
0: Yeah, that that's fantastic. I mean, at New York Comic Con, correct me if I'm wrong, but you had the uh, the special edition of it where you had the issue one and two kind of bound together, and that completely sold out, right?
3: Oh yeah, that was um, that was a limited print run, and um, I almost wish we would have made it a little less limited because I sold out like early Saturday. Uh, but that's a really cool problem to have, wow. where you you just run off a book that. You know, it's brand new and then by midway through the convention it's already gone. It was really it was really great. And that was the first time anyone had seen issue two as well. So you guys were the first of only fifty people who got to read issue two. Um, now it's gonna be officially launched, so you're you're ahead of the game.
0: Well, given that fact, I think that means that I have more of a special relationship with you than Phil does because I've read something you produced. That he Objection. can't get his hands on.
3: Uh, oh, man. The a deep burn. That's really good.
1: <laughs> Listen, maybe if he kisses you, he won't forget you.
0: No one who kisses me can forget me. Let's
1: be real. <laughs> Not for the reasons you think.
3: <laughs> I I, uh, do i have to take like the pepsi challenge and like make out with everyone at comic pals next time i see you guys is this what we're getting at
0: yes <laughs>
4: okay game. uh
5: dan you would be so lucky
4: <laughs> it's like it's like when you go to disney world we oh, have to like great. collect the pins from every country in epcot if you can achieve all five you get a special prize Oh, great. Don't tell me it's some sort of disease. It's <laughs> <Some> a <laughs> pal's box. <laughs> yeah,
1: mystery disease.
0: That's the real question, is who who actually is the uh, the carrier?
1: It's not a mystery. It's obvious. It's Marco. Marco.
0: It's Phil. Whoa!
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I,
6: I, I, didn't, I didn't read that
4: right.
3: You, you already had it.
4: I'm <laughs> immune. <laughs> I, I thought that was Sean's way of calling first nice. in line.
3: Yeah, it sounded like he was like, I'm the first one. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. I, I am disease-free. Unlike Marco. Uh, Zero. Exactly. The, the The con crud is actually Marco passing around his diseases to people. <laughs>
1: No you, you, you could have just stopped to say the con crud is Marco. Yeah to be yeah, fair, there, I don't think I've I've only had sick
4: after conventions I went to with Marco, so That's next year's cosplay. Okay.
3: Okay. <laughs> oh, so this, this sounds more like an intervention now than a, a podcast. I like yeah this. damn, we really you know, we
4: <laughs> needed to bring everybody in the world that cares about Marco and there's not that many people that have expressed interest besides <laughs> you.
3: <laughs> there it is, right there. Marco, I'm really here to tell you, like, we're here because we care. You're killing yourself with this. (laughs) Please
1: stop.
0: I'll try. No, you won't.
1: From God's mouth Uh,
0: to your ears, baby. God, is gross. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, a lot of our listeners may not necessarily know your name but they've probably if they listen to this they know your name because they hear us talk about you but uh, they probably have seen your work because of how successful Beardo has been over the last couple years Um, can you talk to us a little bit about how how Beardo sort of blew up and what that's been like for you
3: yeah uh, it's definitely been surreal Um, it only blew up at the very end of the 10 year run uh, which was kind of a I mean, it was, it was awesome to get this whole new readership that is now diving back in from the start and reading from the beginning. Um, but, you know, it was, it's a comic strip, um, and that presents a struggle in itself because I think that that's a medium that gets a weird... Um, I mean, not weird, but, but maybe more of like a, a, a niche kind of audience where, like, I think it's a, a certain kind of comic reader that goes towards the comic strip. So I was in newspapers and online and, um, on Go Comics. and still on Go Comics for a long time, but, um, I had, I've always had like a good audience and then right at the end with the final strip, which was about, um, me and my daughter and time, you know, moving too fast as a parent. Uh, it just sort of blew up in a way I never anticipated and it's still making the rounds on, on the internet. Like it's, it's, uh, it's kind of a viral thing now that it's way out of my control which it's fun to watch in a way but um yeah it's it's been great i mean it's it sort of gave the the whole series a new lease on life um and has been really i don't know rewarding for me as a creator because now i i think it it definitely is something that um uh, like kind of like perceives me when I go to a convention people know me know that strip even before they know who I am
0: yeah That's and, pretty cool
6: and uh just speaking to to the strip itself um i'm actually one of those newer uh readers uh i think when back at back at wizard World, i picked up I picked up you know the 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 entire set and uh it's been for anyone out there it's been uh, a really uh personable and and fun uh strip so i it's definitely a recommendation from uh, the lot of us.
4: Yeah, actually, Dan, I, wa- I wanted I to ask you about this because um, I've uh, I've been reading the the strip every day now that you've been syndicating it over on like you know your all basically all your social media feeds at Beardo. Go follow him, um, and it's been really fun getting to like read the the strip in that format and then also get your commentary on it like as you're kind of revisiting some of these strips that you probably haven't looked at in a long time what's that been like for you to kind of like go through or go down memory lane here of like how you know how your career advanced and like how you met your wife and all those sorts of things like has that been like has that been a really interesting experience for you
3: uh definitely um because since it is such a long-running trip, I, I really did forget some of it. Like, I it's weird because it is it's based on me, but you know, you don't remember every little thing about your life as you keep making new memories. And I think that you know my new phase in life as a parent and and um you know it's like a kind of very full-time comics creator means that I kind of lose track of some of the things that came before. Like you know right now it's in the time when I worked as a Starbucks barista and I forgot a lot about some of that stuff like uh, I, I even I, I put one up today or I, I, I assembled one today to post tomorrow and uh, read it and I completely forgot that I had written it so it's been kind of fun I almost feel like I'm a, a reader of, my, of a new comic strip uh, and you know when I get into it I, of course I, I eventually remember what the punchline will be but it's just kind of like a new perspective on the thing. Um, also, uh, admittedly, I, I sometimes get a little flustered or, or like, um, even uh, I don't know, I'm almost almost embarrassed. But I'm am a big boy; I can handle it. Like about the fact that like I was I was sort of a you know I was still figuring out my style in some of the earlier strips as well. Like um, not a lot of people know this, but I actually redrew the entire first book uh, years ago because of how different it looks from the whole series and um book two and three are kind of like in this weird space of being pretty close to my style but still showing some of my earlier uh tendencies so I look back at it and I'm like oh it's interesting like that that's how I was lettering and that's how I was drawing Beardo and like it was it's a little different so um it's a little time capsule in the sense of where I was like in the mid to late 2000s and I kind of have I've accepted that and and
4: just enjoyed, you know, putting yeah, it out. Yeah, it's, it's been really, really fun to to like to it. read it in that way, because I feel like you know, um, when you do have, like, the collections, there's like, um, there's, like, such a different flow to it, so like, it's it's been really cool to kind yeah. of, like, get that little bite of it every day, and I've, I've really been enjoying it, so um, I'm glad that it's been uh, a mostly positive experience for you as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
3: and, no, it, it, it actually has been great, I mean, I, I like you know, kind of seeing my work, works and all. Um, and I know where it's going, too, so I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how people react to, like, uh, you know, when I got engaged or married or, like, when we were trying to have a kid, that was a big subject for a lot of people that resonated uh, because we had, you know, we had struggles uh, getting pregnant, and, and I, I really felt that um, at the time, uh, making like talking openly about it in my comic strip was cathartic for me and also seemed to be helpful helpful for other people um, in a way that you know I, I think I only figured out after making the comic <laughs> you know
0: So beardo we, we talked about how much it blew up and all the circulation and that got me thinking about the fact that you know you're you're kind of a you know an independent creator, you're doing beardo you know, of your own volition and that and I and I, I'm just curious if you experienced this that sometimes that kind of thing can get so far away from you that you don't even necessarily get all of the recognition or all of the reward that comes with having been the creator of this thing that now is on every website was that a problem at all for you
3: um you know, I do get annoyed with it a little bit. Uh, there's some sites that have been really great about making sure to credit me as the creator. Um, I mean, some some even reached out beforehand to get my permission and to uh, interview and like, you know, make an article about it. Like, uh, most notably was like the Huffington Post and Upworthy and uh, the dad and, you um, Oh, the other one. I think I think Board panda did something um, and then like a bunch of like mom and dad and parent websites they all just took the time to say hey we, we saw this we really like it can we can we share it we would credit you um, and send a link back to your work you know so that people can actually see more of you that's amazing like that and that actually shows like uh, I think an intelligence and a respect for what what it is um, for creators. Um, meanwhile, there's other people who just post it like they made it or like they you know it's just another part of their little cute collection of memes and, and whatnot and I do get a little annoyed with that sometimes because of how much uh, how much they're basically just pulling their you know like attention for their own site off of other people's artwork. Uh, I, I mean if I can if you owe me to, I can call one out if you want but
0: go for it. do it.
3: Okay, there's one called uh, Shuffle Sketch, and uh, they posted on Facebook that last strip with no mention of me or even the name of the comic whatsoever, and uh, I find it really aggravating because I've tried to reach out to them a few times, and they have not replied at all, but they have no problem replying to, like, people commenting on the thing, so... It's really, I I think it is a bit disrespectful to, like, to, even in the the sort of, like, after the fact, like, now that I have reached out to them, um, I can see if they said, hey, well, we just, we didn't know who did this. We just thought it was cool. Like, that's fine with me. Like, just, you know, we can make it right. But there's been a a few like that that they just, they don't seem to care. They're just kind of in it for the, the clickbait. And they've gotten, like, Fifty-three thousand shares of it from their site, so they're definitely getting a lot of a lot of mileage out of my comic.
0: That's that's unbelievable. Um, last yeah, that last week we we talked about uh, not a, not an exact similar incident, but an incident where a particular web comic creator had her work stolen uh, by two other individuals who appropriated her web comic and. Sort of traced it, and and were and they had a Kickstarter rolling using some of her actual sketches from her webcomic, and that book that uh, a book by those two individuals who stole from her was going to be uh, made by Boom, and so I bring that up to say, even when you are a successful uh, webcomic creator, um, people can steal from you easily, and I think. Uh, independent creators are really at risk when you're putting your stuff out there like that of people stealing from you we live in this meme culture where people will just take an image and then appropriate it and there's no, no kickback, it happens all the time
4: yeah, I
3: mean, you know, and I think they they don't even realize, that like, all it takes is just crediting the person You know, right. most people aren't asking for, like, money unless you're trying to sell the thing but if you're just trying to post it just say who did it, you know, like it's that simple I mean, a link back would be nice or some sort of like way to, to show people how to find the artist. But even just saying it, it at least has some uh, inkling of respect. Um, and I think that that's just really uh, something that people keep, I think they have to keep talking about and keep the conversation open about that until it gets better, you know? Um, I've had several of my, my colleagues like, with their creator own work. Like, they find somebody making a T-shirt of it somewhere, you know, and never asked them or, or uh, got permission, and they're making money off of it. It's ridiculous to me. But, um, you know, that's that, it's a weird line because at the same time, like, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll admit, too, like it, you mentions, you know, we're all making fan art, too. So that there's, like, there's that. And granted, that goes into a much bigger realm. Um, but for guys like me, who are just like a creator-owned person, like, our little creation is definitely, I'm definitely not living high on the hog with with Beardo, I'm just making comics independently and hoping that they work. So when they do work, I would like it to actually work in a way that keeps the comic going monetarily.
1: Sure. Dan, send me a list of names and heads will roll.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All right. I got my executioner
1: right here. I love it. Hey, I never say anything about executing, but heads will roll.
5: <laughs> Listen, you—you you don't kiss one or all of the comics pals without some sort of benefit.
0: All right. <laughs>
3: Sweet.
0: Perfect. So you—you you mentioned the collaboration <clears throat> with Sourcepoint Press for Floppy cup. How did that come about?
1: Um. Well. Uh.
3: You know. It came about mostly at Motor City, I'd say, uh, Motor City Comic Con. When we did that show and premiered the book there, um, we had, again, that was another rare occasion where we had all four creators tabling at the show. And so we came in really strong, and we really sold through a lot of comics that we weekend A Floppy Cop, a lot of copies of it. Floppy copy, of Floppy Cop, by the way, I love saying that. <laughs> And uh, definitely attracted the attention of of a lot of different people. Uh, I already knew the SourcePoint team already. Like it's not like that was the first time they'd ever seen at work or anything. But I think we definitely made an impression on the team. And Travis and I started talking afterwards about what that would you know what that would look like because they you know truthfully they currently don't have a whole lot in terms of like comedy or wacky slapstick stuff like Coffee Cop is but they're also a, a publisher that's, uh, I think, rapidly expanding and, and broadening their reach. And I think that this is one of those things that helps to broaden the scope of what they do um, into, into territory that's not just uh, horror or sci-fi. Um, so, you know, I think that was where, where we we came to a sort of an understanding of what this could be for both of us, um, you know, for SourcePoint. It's, uh, it's a way to show that they've got a broader diverse range of stuff and for me it's, it's a great home for the book because of um, you know, the fact that it's, it's the kind of company that's taking care of um, or is interested in the creator-owned comic and I think it offers um, the kind of deal that I was looking for in terms of uh, what they would do and what, what I would have to do like a, a fair distribution of of, uh, of the workload because it's hard to make these things like it's hard to make a creator own comic um, definitely a labor of love so for, for us to have like a, a company like that or a publisher like that that will help us take some of the, the burden off of us to let us do what we gotta do that's why the book is coming out a lot faster now like we have issue 3 in, the, in, um, in production already and we're gonna probably have all 5 issues ready by the time C2E2 rolls around next year
0: wow that's that's fantastic yeah, yeah. Not every independent creator has the ability to, you know, get something like that going, a partnership like that. So hats off to you and the team. That's great.
1: Thanks.
3: I mean, you know, it's um, it's a great team. Honestly, like I couldn't ask for better people to be working with, and I think we all have definitely uh gotten to this point. Like it's definitely um, the result of a lot of a lot of years of. Paying dues, so that we can say, you know, like, hey, like this is worth doing together. Then we're all bringing something to the table.
0: Yeah, abs- absolutely. Now, you also actually teach comics uh, at the uh, International School of Comics over in Chicago. So, what what is important to you about paying it forward? I guess, and teaching this this craft.
3: Um. Well, uh, I, I mean, I think personally, I think it's really rewarding to um, to pay it forward in a sense. And, you know, I mean, I, it is a job, to be fair. It's not like I'm just volunteering. But, like, it is a, uh, it's the kind of school I wish I had when I was coming up in college. So I think about that when I see these, uh, the, the students that I get in these classes. And I try to, you know, tell them the, the lessons that I've learned through my You know, uh, successes and failures, um, as well as obviously just teaching the craft, and it also is just rewarding. um, It's rewarding to be a teacher in a way if if you're if you're doing the right thing. Like you know, if you're doing something that applies to what you're interested in. Like I, you know, I'm only teaching the thing that I'm I'm interested in. Like I'm not uh, I'm not the poor guy who's got to teach driver's ed or something like that. Um, I'm I'm. Talking about what I love to do, and uh, and it also, what by doing that makes me feel a bit recharged, energy wise, with my own creativity. So uh, I've I've heard this said from other people too. Like uh, I talked to Bob Camp about it, who's uh, you know the Ren Simby, uh genius, and he um he teaches as well, and he says a He says something similar that really stuck with me about how you know teaching you know, recharges your own creative juices and brings like a, a, a good energy to your work. You, 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 it keeps you from getting stale. Um, and so it's, it, you know, it, I think it, it benefits everybody really, like I feel like I, I can give students what I wish I had when I was in college and then I get to go home and, you know, jump on the, on the drawing board with, with that uh, that motivation.
1: So my takeaway there was: you don't want to teach driving to kids. <laughs> I don't want to teach what? You don't want to teach kids how to drive. Drive? No, I don't. I <laughs> would be ter-
0: uh-huh.
1: I would be telling. I'm I'm currently driving
3: and podcasting, so probably not the best. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, what do you what do you feel like are the 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 important lessons that maybe you've learned throughout your career? that you always try to impart upon, uh, your students?
3: Um, well, I think, uh, one would be not to compare yourself to the success of others, um, or even the failures of others. I don't think it's, Mm. I don't think it's smart to judge yourself based off of other people. Um, because it just ends up becoming a slippery slope and, and ends up just not feeling great. Um, and uh, I'd also say just to be smart about respecting the business side of it, to not just um, not just you know use all of your energy to create, but also to like, get smart enough to have contracts and to have have a lawyer if you need them and to know how to, um, to talk to somebody about what you, what you need to do a project and um, what you can provide them like, know, to be able to sell yourself and then also value yourself is a a huge part of this because I know people who are excellent artists and have gotten discouraged or turned off from the industry because they just don't know how to, they don't know how to navigate that world. And admittedly, um, for a long time, I didn't either. I I still learn a lot every time I talk to somebody, um, but I feel like I've learned how to be at least um how to not shy away from that conversation and that's what i like to make sure that they they get out of it too
0: yeah and i i think that those are things that i mean you you know you 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 get the desire to want to make comics and um there there are things about it that go beyond just pen and paper or you know at the drawing board there's so much more that matters
3: oh yeah absolutely there's so much time of my my day that I don't spend drawing but it relates to my work you know I'm just kind of and, I, and I, I'm I at a weird point where I could probably use an assistant at this point because of how many things that I'm trying to develop um, that are non-comic like non-drawing um, related um, but uh, I at least know I know that those things are important enough to do them you know like to have them done and not just wait, you know, for some for, for some magical wand to to be waved and, and have it fixed for me. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot. Honestly, like you know, we talk about a lot of technical stuff, and we, we do a lot of drawing at the school. So there's that. But I would never try to force my style onto any any artist or tell them that theirs isn't gonna make it because you never you know that's that's just a silly conversation to have. What I try to tell them though, is to be smart about what they're doing. That's really what I try to, uh, impart on these guys as, as they slowly get closer to getting out in the real world. Cause we have some actual graduates now who are making, making waves, you know, like there's, um, people who are, um, tabling a shows now and getting, getting actual comics put out there. Uh, in fact, the colorist for the book is a graduate from my class, uh, Malena. She's, she's, uh, she's, yeah, she was, took my three-year course. And now, you know, like I didn't just hand her a job. I, I gave her a job because she earned it. Um, I didn't, you know, and, and she gets paid for that job. Like it's, it's a thing where, um, you know, I don't, I never, I, I've never handed out any, any, um, any perks to my students. But I, I feel like if my students show it, then I do my best to like make sure that, that they, uh, that they actually can succeed in this in this industry.
4: So, Dan, I wanted to ask you a question based on something that you had just said. Um, you said that there are a lot of creators you've seen get discouraged because they don't understand, like, I guess how to, like, play the game, you know, and, like, how to do all of the things that are required of creative people aside from creating. And you said that, you know, eventually you, you started kind of turning that corner and you're, you're still figuring it out. But what, what was the thing that, made you realize that in your career? Like, what was the... Or, or, like, what was the thing that allowed you to change your attitude to, like, understand that that was just as important as, you know, um, improving your drawing or, or making sure you're getting your stress um, done?
3: That's a great question. I mean, I think there was... Uh, there was a probably a, a moment um, that was... I'd say somewhere in the early years of Beardo where I was, t- I was going to conventions more and and sort of seeing some of my my peers or people that I thought were my peers or, or whatnot um, making these moves that I never would have considered and seeing that they were, you know, they were leveling up. And I was like, you know, I think what I realized as I got maybe into my mid-20s is not to take that personally um, or like to feel blighted or that I was Stupid or whatever, but just to learn from it, and um, I think that's a very easy feeling for like a young creator to have is to take everything that doesn't go your way as like a personal slight against you. Um, And I'm I know I was guilty of it when I was younger, Um, and so as I, you know, I basically as I got out to more conventions, that's when I realized that I did need to get smarter about it. So I would definitely say for anyone who is like an up and comer, who, you know, feels like they're onto something, you know, the, the one piece that a lot of artists are missing is that you spend so much time at your drawing board in isolation that you frequently don't just get out and socialize with your, with your, your peers. And when you do that, you start to actually learn that there's more to this game than being talented. Um, and that's, that's where I was coming from. Um, so, you know, I, I, that's, I think my big takeaway for any, or for anyone, um, would be to not just be a great artist, but to be somebody who can be, uh, approachable to other people and and to get out there and and network a bit more with, with people. It doesn't have to be like a, like a cold blooded, like, you know, like making the deal kind of thing, like the apprentice or something. It's more like, hey, you know, be nice to people and and be humble when you're around somebody who, you know, probably could teach you a, few, uh, a thing or two. And you'll probably start realizing that there's a lot to be, to be learned out there. There's a lot that I think everyone has to learn, and I just think you have to be open to it.
1: So, Dan, when are you going to write your own art of the deal?
3: <laughs> well... If I'm doing it the way that it was done, I would have to have it ghostwritten. <laughs> so, <laughs> where's my ghostwriter? <laughs> oh, my God. Because didn't even write the damn book. <laughs> um, yeah, I I would like to, you I know, I, I, I look at, um. you know, Dirk Manning has a great uh, book for writers uh, called Writer Wrong. And I know he's coming out with a second one, not to shamelessly plug him, but because he, he, he'll happily take care of that himself <laughs> he was oh, on our show know. two
1: weeks ago he did that plenty himself
3: yeah he, well you know i mean that's part of the game too you do have to you have to talk yourself up but uh, yeah I, I actually i have i don't know it, it's it's sort of come to me that like i've got a lot of notes in class and a lot of things that i talk about that maybe would be useful to people one day so i don't know maybe one day but um, again if i wanted to make it out of the deal it has to have a ghostwriter. <laughs> Who's who's
1: Will Shatner's about Ghost Rider? I want that guy. (laughs) He knows all about tech wars, baby.
0: (laughs) So, uh, just so you know, you said you need an assistant. Uh, Marco is currently looking for work.
6: Yes, sir. Uh, The only thing that I got out of this entire conversation is you're hiring. (laughs)
2: <laughs>
5: he said he's in the business of just handing out jobs too so <laughs> yeah
6: so uh dan uh
3: aside after this yeah uh my connection is getting really bad <laughs> <laughs> oh no <laughs> no you're not <laughs> but, uh, I, actually I, I will actually talk to you a little bit if you're if you are looking for work uh, uh yeah head show okay <laughs> yeah um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I, it's a good problem to have, you know, like, I feel like, um, uh, I'm at a point now where I, I got a lot to juggle, so, you know, that's good.
0: So, you, you talked a lot about all this work that you're doing and how busy you are, and one of the things that I know about you through Beardo, through conversation is, is, you know, you're a big-time family man, um, and I, I was just wondering how, difficult it is, you know, you don't have to get too personal, but how difficult it is for you to juggle this career that is so, so demanding. It's not a nine to five, you know, uh, how do you juggle that with also being present at home and, you know, taking part in raising your kids and all that? That's a lot. How do you make that work?
3: Um, it is, I mean, it's a challenge. Uh, you know, I will, uh, blatantly, uh, suck up to my wife here and say that she is a huge help, Um, and, uh, and we, we have to like really be a a team to make this work. Um, because we are, you know, we're in that, there's a phase that I think any, any people who have had kids will relate to. I've got, you know, a toddler and a baby. So, um, those are very challenging ages, uh, to be able to get anything done, And, um, I do have to kind of keep a pretty strict schedule, you know, like I, um, I, I've I've gotten over feeling weird about it when I tell people like, you know, Hey, I, I got this amount of time for this. Like, I, and then I got to go, um, because I just, I, it's, it's the truth, you know, it's just, that's where I'm at. Like I, I have a lot of things that I got to get done and, um, and I also want to make time for for my kids. Um, especially now, you know, cause it does go by so fast. It's already, my daughter, I feel like she was born yesterday and she's three and a half. Um, and Facebook keeps reminding me, and I'm so sick of it. <laughs> uh, but they keep telling you, Hey, this was your daughters three years ago. Remember? And I'm like, Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I just do my best um I, I try to have a, a pretty strict schedule, and I've also my wife has told me that I have to make time for you know for relaxing. So uh, apparently that that helps. <laughs> I'm not really good at relaxing. I'll just say that.
0: I've seen the cigars. I've seen the cigar posts. uh So that's a part of the relaxation. I would imagine.
4: It is. Yeah. I- I I think the funny thing, Dan, is how much of your relaxation time you spend doing other work. Like, you're also a musician, you're also always running, you're a teacher, you're a writer, you're a drawer, you're or an artist, I guess I should say. Um, it's it's insane, man. I, I honestly don't know how Dang, you do well, it. I mean, I, I do enjoy most of what I do, so that
3: makes it easier, you know. Um, And I, I have a cigar lounge near my house, so it's kind of fun to, like, I don't know. I don't like going to the bar because it's expensive and I don't want to get mashed, but like a cigar feels like a good little adult thing that I can do and sit in a fancy leather couch and, and draw. So that's the closest I'm coming to like, you know, unwinding lately, but I'm fine with it. Like I, I I really get I get excited about my, my work and I like, I like what I'm doing and I've, I've learned to cut out things that I don't like. Um, uh, life is too short, so it's just sort of one of those things where I'm, I think I've kind of figured out some of the things in my life, and and I'm just, that's why I can probably do more than I used to.
0: Well, Vicar Dandridge, who I'm sure you know, uh, is referred to as the hardest working man in comics. Yeah, I think sure. You might be contending for that title.
3: Yeah, <laughs> This is my boy, but I we, we all
4: kind of raise an eyebrow for now and then and go like, "Hey man, you sure?" <laughs> all I'm saying is you're you're driving right now and also doing a podcast appearance. This now you're you're getting into double dipping. Like, you're thanks. Just- I'm also
3: you can't see this, but I'm cooking a rotisserie chicken in the in the passenger seat. So I got a lot of stuff going.
1: Damn, I was gonna make a similar <laughs> joke. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm not really. I'm just kidding. Um, but Aww. that would be cool. You're like a
4: little like you tell. You're telling me you don't have a rotisserie oven in, in your my car? Other car. Yes. Wow, well, you have a lot of cars. <laughs> All right. He, well, he had to leave the he had to leave the the minivan. At I've home, got. Hey, you know? I, just to be clear, no
3: minivans. They're both. I got two SUVs, and they're both total parents. They're both mobiles, parent- <laughs> but... My wife and I draw the line in minivans. We can't do it.
0: <laughs> I thought you were gonna say you had a Lamborghini that you were driving, getting to the con in style.
3: No, I'm not making. I'm not making that that uh, Walking Dead money. <laughs> I'm, I'm making beer I'm making beardle money. <laughs>
4: <laughs> That's what happens when people don't yeah. credit you when yeah, they're if sharing only- <laughs> your strip round. If people would actually tag him, he'd be able to afford the Lamborghini yeah, with the chicken so oven. Get on a shuffle sketch. Give me my Lamborghini chicken
3: oven
0: <laughs> <car>. <laughs> 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 Oh, that's fantastic. Before we let you go, uh, I wanted to ask, where can we find you? Uh, plug all your stuff. Let the people out there know how they can reach out to you and how they can actually see the great work that you're doing.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Beardo Comics, all one word, Beardo Comics. Um, I'm on Facebook under my name, Dan Doherty. And then also there's a Beardo page. Um, so you can, you can read the the strip there, uh, five days a week or on Instagram or Twitter, all those different sites all supported. Um, if you want to, uh, buy any of my stuff, it's at www.beardocomics.com. And I'm also on Go Comics. Um, just search Beardo on that site and you can find, um, like a huge archive of the
0: strip awesome, awesome and uh, more floppy cop on the way so be sure out there to look for this book I can't sing its praises enough uh, the comic book industry and entertainment in general is a little bit dark sometimes which is not necessarily a bad thing but uh, it, it, it is what it is uh, Biro is not that and it's not that in the best ways possible and I, I mean this with all sincerity when I say I have not had more fun with a book in a very long time so thank you for that
3: thank you that's all we wanted honestly you said it exactly how we we were hoping it would come across because we both need Seth and I both needed the same thing we needed something to laugh again
0: yeah absolutely and and it brings the laughs in spades thank you Thank you, Uh, and I appreciate you coming on so much. Uh, Of course, we're huge fans of you here at the Comics Pals, so we appreciate you uh, taking the time out to talk to us.
1: Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on.
0: Anytime. Take care.
1: Enjoy the rotisserie chicken.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Will do. (laughs) (laughs) And please, please be safe, Dan. Remember, one eye on (laughs) the road, one eye on the chicken. Deal.
0: (laughs) All right, take care. Bye. So we're always happy to have Dan on the show, or to interview him. That was actually his first appearance on the podcast. Hoping to have him on again real, real soon. Uh, we've got a lot more show for you guys. Uh, so let's kick things off with a bit of listener mail.
4: Awesome. So we got a uh, a letter here from James McMahon back on episode 105 of the show, where we talked about the fall of Marvel on Netflix. And uh, this is what he had to say. Hey guys, I've watched all of the Netflix Marvel, and here's my quick thoughts. Iron Fist Season 1 started that downhill slide, because up to that point, everything had been at... at at the very least solid, and Iron Fist was very flawed Defenders was then disappointing overall and it felt like such a huge blow. Punisher season one was an upturn in solid, but a new series still Jessica C- Jessica Jones season two was fine, but uh, really all over the place. then season two of Luke Cage was honestly better than season one overall with Bushmaster being excellent kale real quick can you just say Bushmaster <laughs> The problem was, it was already too late. Iron Fist Season 2 is an improvement, but it won't win anyone over. Though Misty Knight and Colleen Wing are a treat and deserve their own show. And that leads us back to Daredevil, which could turn it all around. Though ultimately, I think it's all for naught, and Sean is right. Marvel didn't push these current seasons because they will likely try to scoop them back up for the Disney streaming service. So,
0: thanks, James, for the comment. Uh, I love any uh person who says i write in their comment oh so, god it's exactly what i want.
4: <laughs> number one way to get your that's comment right. read on the air absolutely just tell sean he's right uh, <laughs> it doesn't so, even have to
6: relate to the topic just just the subject you know sean was right
0: about this and then uh, go into something
4: i'm dying <laughs> <Exactly>. unrelated comment <laughs>
1: No,
0: i i have thoughts about uh this comment so I agree with the the overall point but I think uh the the one thing that I kind of quibble with is the Iron Fist season one comment that it started the downward downward spiral uh the reason why I don't necessarily agree with that 100 percent is because and and why I attribute it to defenders is because I think uh that Iron Fist being bad didn't matter if defenders was great. If Defenders yeah. was great, yeah. then everybody would have been like, okay, whatever. Iron Fist was what it was, but Defenders was the thing we were all yeah. looking forward to. If you think back to that actual time period, you know we didn't care about Iron Fist being bad once we saw the trailer for Defenders and seeing those characters together and everything was so cool. Uh, I think if that show had been good, it would have alleviated all concerns and we would not be talking about the Marvel Netflix series the way we do now, um, but I also think that Disney wants their characters back for whatever things they might want to be doing. So it may it may not have mattered after all, anyways.
1: Master MacMan, uh, we we definitely. I, I think with like the first phase of Marvel movies, there was a lot of people who were lukewarm on uh, Captain America: First Avenger or Thor or I think Iron Man 2 came out in that period. So there were a few MCU yeah. movies that had come out that people were kind of lukewarm on, but then the Avengers came out, and it was a huge cultural phenomenon. Had the Defenders done that, no one would remember that uh, Iron Fist was that bad, probably.
4: Or they just wouldn't have cared, because the other three shows were all, or four shows at yeah. that point were all slammed dunks. Um, we part.
1: see, there's a lot of articles coming out right now about how Marvel sabotaged Daredevil, and obviously that that's a theory. Uh, but there's a ton of posts on different social media platforms on how people did not know a season three came out because when they're on Netflix, it wasn't promoted. And Netflix often takes the time to promote a new series, a new movie on the top of their Netflix, which is what they did with the first two seasons of Daredevil. So that marketing effort just wasn't there. And their viewership base reportedly dropped substantially From season two to season
4: three, which is true for pretty much every Netflix show. I think it was like the problem we saw with Daredevil was even worse with um, specifically Luke Cage and Iron Fist. But Jessica Jones season two was in the same boat where like I remember it kind of it came out and I didn't realize it was out, you know, like it was not until because Netflix, you know, I watched those shows. So. It, they're like in my oh hey the new one's out because you watched all of this so check it out but like I all three of those shows were shows I didn't know had come out until a few days after they were already you know available and nobody was talking about them you know because to that there with wasn't
1: house on haunted hill which is just being advertised like crazy
4: so um yeah.
6: just so something that Sean mentioned like defenders being the follow up to uh, Iron Fist. Like, had it been maybe perhaps Punisher, uh, where there was a substantially, I guess, well, or there was a better quality to it, and I think it came out sort of more favorably. They came out within, I think, three months of each other. Oh. Uh, the Punisher was in November, and Defenders was in August. So had those timeframes been sort of flipped, mm-hmm. I wonder if we would be talking about it in, in sort of this way.
0: I think that's also a good point. Yeah, I think I think
4: that's really valid, because – I think that could have really changed the narrative in a lot of ways, you know, because I remember, um, I, I know I particularly bang this drum and I know that I want to say that both Phil and Sean agreed with me where I, cause if you go look at like the, the critical reaction to Punisher, it's, it's so inaccurate compared to how good the show is. And I really feel like the sour taste of iron fist and defenders at that point had, like really? No, wasn't punishment. there a um,
5: there was a school shooting or something like that week or yeah? It was
4: th- after Vegas, well, and it got delayed. It was supposed to come out in October, and then it got delayed, and then there was another shooting. I think either before, right after it that? had come out or something like that, and and a lot of people like I think gave it negative reception because they were like saying it was. I like, think felt the sense that it was tone deaf in light of
6: yeah.
1: Current tragedies, and I, I think there's also a, a feeling of people being sort of exhausted with the Marvel Netflix formula of that twelve thirteen episodes. Because for better or worse, a lot of critics have similar complaints talking about the length of it, if having a valley in the middle. I obviously a lot of us don't agree with that. If you listen to our season three review, of Daredevil, there's none of that in our commentary. But uh, a lot of the larger critical media. It's just a common diagnosis of their issues with the shows. Yeah, yeah.
0: Punisher suffered from the fact that it's a show about a guy who shoots people with guns. And a lot of critics are not going to be open to that. I think at any point you put that show out, uh, critically speaking, that's what's going to happen. But I think to Marco's point, you put that show out ahead of Defenders, uh, fans would have felt more, uh, they would have felt better about Marvel's Netflix stuff overall. Um, so, but hey, that's what I'll. That Go ahead. I was going to
4: just say, I will say, I actually think that if Punisher had come out earlier in the timeline, I don't think it would have had that problem. I think if Punisher had come out second instead of Jessica Jones or like Luke Cage, like, I, I wonder if the narrative around it would have been differently because I think that like, obviously not to say that Like shootings weren't a problem in America at that point, but I don't think it was. We didn't have the the level that it's at now.
5: They yeah, they really ramped up the past year or two,
4: and like the public conversation around them has ramped up as well. You know, because it used to be a thing that happened once or twice a year, not every time. All
0: right, I I disagree. I mean, Punisher came out like you know, when 20, it came out last 2017, year. 2017, yeah. 2017, like yeah, it's not, it that's wasn't what I mean. that long ago, you know?
4: But yeah, my point is that if it had come out in like 2013 or 14, like when Daredevil and Jessica Jones were out, like we were in a dif- different political climate. I don't know that the reaction to it would have been as severe. The
0: the, 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 the Aurora shooting happened in 2012 where they, where they shot up the... The dark yeah, right, rises but
5: screening. but one didn't happen. Another one didn't happen the next week.
4: Yeah, that's that's my point. Is not that we didn't have mass shootings then? It's that I think we were less sensitive about them then. I don't because they were less. I freaking. don't think
1: that's entirely true. Sandy Hook also took place. Uh, there were one. There was a big one every other month or so. Just and it, it's only gotten worse because of the severity of. How often this is happening? There's there's been over a thousand shootings since 2013.
0: Mass shootings. All right. like, well, let's let's uh, let's not dive too deeply into this topic. <laughs>
5: sure. Let me um. Let me yeah. Let me let me just kind of bring it back, and uh, we can just kind of put a, a final point on the argument of this uh, this email. Uh, the 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 thing I want to argue with James about is that Iron Fist wasn't so much flawed as much as it was bad. <laughs> bad. <laughs> so,
0: well, look. I will say this. I, I'm no defender of Iron Fist. That's for sure. Uh,
5: well, neither is Iron Fist.
0: Well. He's no <laughs> but, defender cause, cause of the, the no! But I, I thought there were some really strong elements of that show. I, I thought all the stuff with uh, the Meacham, like all the, the the whole family. Yeah, I, I loved all that stuff.
4: Bill and I also were defenders yeah. of Iron Fist as much as you could be. Yes. <laughs> our, our main crux of our argument is it's not as bad as people are saying. Yeah. It's how, like, if you go back and listen to our Justice League review, we're like, I mean, it wasn't good, but it's like, it's not Batman v Superman bad. Like,
0: <laughs> Did you see Batman v Superman, Pete? Yeah. I didn't. Oh, okay, filled it. up.
4: Okay. I, I didn't speak up that yeah, it. Oh, I would I would never lambast something that much if I had seen it. That's like not my style. I have to sit through the bullshit.
5: Oh, it's it's mine for sure.
4: <laughs> I know. I talk
5: all day about how how bad BVS is. I never
0: know. <laughs> God, you're trash.
5: I don't give a, I don't give a shit. We, love uh,
0: sorry. we
4: don't. We didn't need Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, I've never seen it and have no idea how good or bad it is, but whatever.
0: I didn't care about Listen, it. We didn't need it.
5: In in the intro to the show, Sean, every, every episode for 5,000 fucking episodes, Sean has said we're a group of friends and journalists. I'm not the journalist. He's
0: the friend i don't know if you're the friend either so what the hell are you doing here
5: listen i didn't start
0: the skype call no well, fair enough he wouldn't know how right. so let's move along to our pals polls thank you by the way uh james for writing in we really appreciate that uh and i want to let you guys know how you can do that as well uh we are on all podcast hosting platforms including soundcloud and apple podcasts you can get us on social media at the comics pals you can write to us at the comics pals at gmail.com or last but certainly not least you can do what james did which is hit us up on youtube uh if you're watching this on youtube thank you very much we appreciate that we'd also appreciate it if you hit that sub button and uh gave us a, a comment and a like and uh share with your friends Uh, All that stuff's free to do, and it helps us out a lot more than it costs you to do.
5: We also got a super kind uh, tweet from uh, Catherine underscore stars on Twitter, and uh, not to toot our own horn um, about how great she thinks we are. Um, But uh, yeah, that was very kind. Thank you very much, Catherine.
0: Yes, my good friend. My good, good friend. She is a new listener, and she loves it.
5: She better fucking be your best friend now. <laughs> She's
0: certainly one of them. Uh, but uh yeah, so let's dive into the pals polls from Mark we've got Beach number three and Bitterroot number one.
6: Uh Beach Cemetery. Or Cemetery Sorry. Beach. Cemetery Beach. Okay. Um What's the name of the book? Cemetery Beach.
4: There
6: we go. <clears throat> so it's <clears throat> this is uh Ellis's, Warren Ellis' new book. Um
4: Warris Ellis. <laughs>
6: Do you want
5: to take a, another try at that,
4: Warren? Who's the author of the book? Are you
0: broke? No, you've
4: been sitting here for like forty-five minutes, Mark. You haven't had to say two words.
0: Dan's not going to hire you now, dude. No. <laughs> well, that that's, was my that's job that's opportunity. Warren's father, Horace.
4: <laughs> Horace Ellis.
6: Warren Ellis. Um, Thank you. And it's being published by Image. Uh, I picked it up sort of like on a whim, and it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I usually follow his things more so when they're like. Sci-fi oriented. Um, this mm. is a lot more. Uh, it's still sort of in the vein, um, but he brings a lot more like adventure to it uh, and like action-packed stuff. So it's been really fun. Um, I definitely recommend it.
0: Awesome. Uh, <clears throat> and then you also chose Bitter Root Number One.
6: So this is a, another just random image uh, title that I don't actually know anything about. It just it's a number one. It's image, and I'm here for it. Is this Brian Edward Hill? Is it?
5: Or the guy, it's the guy that's writing uh, The Outsiders, right? Mm. Batman and The Outsiders? Uh,
0: Well, that would be Brian Hill. That's certainly that guy. Uh, But I don't know that he's writing this particular book. But I'm about to find out. It's actually David Walker.
5: Uh. Oh, he did uh, Power Man and Iron Fist. There you go. With uh, Sanford Green.
0: Yep, and Sanford Green is actually the artist on this book as well. Oh snap. Yeah. Oh, damn. And, uh, oh, cool. Chuck Chuck Brown is uh co-writing this book with uh David. So Chuck yeah. Brown? <clears throat> uh, yeah.
4: That's a great name.
0: But yeah. Ooh. Lucky guy. And uh...
6: <laughs> <laughs> All right.
4: And uh... Sounds like he just sounds like an old school detective, you know? Yeah. Like Gumshoe.
6: <laughs> and uh I did want to mention um Harris last week mentioned web webtoons. So I actually read a couple. Uh, and the series that uh, he mentioned by Warren Ellis Finality, uh, I've been I've been enjoying that a lot. So uh, kudos, Harris. You know the good shit. Oh, oh and, cool. And uh, I also follow Super Secret, Love Me Not, uh, and mainly puns.
5: Was Marco not on the last episode? Why is he talking he about wasn't, this? wasn't. No, I wasn't.
0: So I'm, I'm actually happy oh, to shit. hear uh, your, your take on that that issue i felt like you might have some insight so cool yeah there's a couple of
6: fun stuff uh, out there and it's interesting because it fits to mobile so it's a different way to play with the form
0: oh that's nice it's also a good point that we actually didn't bring up at all so that's why marco's on the show ladies and gentlemen if you were curious <laughs> it's because i know the weird shit uh. that's right well it's
6: because uh, so of weird f- shit
0: There you go. I love you, Marco. (laughs) Don't listen to those boys. Uh, So from Kale, we've got Firefly number one.
5: Uh, Ah, yeah. So this is the uh, the continuation of the series. Uh, You know, Joss Whedon's uh, uh, Firefly.
0: Is this
4: just happening now for the first time? No,
5: no, no, no. no. This is the second or third time it's happened for sure. But this one um, is kind of a big deal because it's uh, Greg (laughs) Pak. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. And uh, a friend of mine, um, and you know, I'm a fan of his as well. Uh, Dan McDade, cool. um, he just did uh, the twelfth issue of Doom Patrol ah. and uh, some Judge Dread. Oh yeah, uh, I know he's done some Planet of the Apes. Um, Name so three more. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, so Jersey Gods. <laughs> I know he did. Uh, he did a it. special run on uh, Superman. Oh, nice. Okay. And
4: well, now he's looking oh, it
5: up. Shit, no! Uh, escape from New York.
4: Okay, yeah, yes. he worked on okay. Escape Greg
5: from Park New York. as well. Yeah, that's right.
1: Well done. Yeah, it's pretty good, Kel. Um, so man. yeah,
5: I'm 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 real excited uh, for this book. I like I'm a big fan of Firefly. I like uh, I like Dan. And I like Greg Park, so Oh, that
6: stuff's nice.
0: Heck yeah, nice recipe for a kale book. Follow. That's right. So from you've got uh, Life is Strange, number one.
4: Yeah, I am really excited for this one. Um, I know on this show, I've definitely said in the past, I I tend to gravitate away from licensed comics. Uh, I I always feel like, I don't know, it's always hard for me to transition from, like, a medium where there are, like, voices that I've come to know to, like, the comic. And I often feel like something gets kind of lost in translation in terms of, like getting the voices down and everything. And I don't mean like literally in that sense, like the way the characters speak and those sorts of things. But Life is Strange is an IP that like I love and care about enough that it doesn't matter to me. Um, and the fact that this is a book that's focusing on the continuation of uh, Max and Chloe's story from season one, while, you know, all the the new stuff in season two is moving away from those characters is uh, really exciting to me. So I'm definitely going to be picking this up on Wednesday and uh, I can't wait. I hope it's good. Pete's is looking for any excuse to bring video games pals content
0: over to the main show.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, uh, Phil and I both chose Mr. Miracle number twelve. Hell
1: yeah, dude. Uh all I can say is Dark Side is, baby.
0: Hey. Yeah, this is the grand finale of what has been a really, really excellent run. Uh, if you're not reading this, you should be. Tom King, Mitch Jarrett's. What more can we say?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 gonna rank up there with one of his best run, like one of his best books. It's 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 his wheelhouse. That that sweet twelve issue format.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, really good stuff. Can't wait to see what they do next because I think uh, that team is gonna work together again really soon. At
1: some soon. point, we.
0: I think
5: they're doing. I think they're doing more
0: Sheriff of Babylon.
1: Hell yeah, they. Did re- They uh, did mention that. Uh, I'll tell you what, at some point we will probably do a book club for this book.
6: Yes, it is uh, in the in the works.
1: It's in the works, so
0: get our full thoughts there eventually. Yeah. Uh, Looking forward to it. And then I chose Uncanny X-Ren number one. Hey, now, me too! Oh, cool. That would have been awesome. my third. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, look, I love the X-Ren I, I just do. I understand that they've been kind of uh, in a weird spot lately. We all know this. Uh, the more recent stuff, like the most recent stuff that, that they've been doing has been good. They're, they've got the X-Men uh, extermination arc that's going on right now. Uh, and that's the lead into Uncanny, and that's been really good. And Brisson is murdering that book. That's
6: right, Brisson's uh, he's on also
0: it. murdering some X-Men in that book. <laughs> um... It's been fantastic. So I can't wait for this. Uh, The creative team behind this uh, particular issue, and I think the first, however long, is uh, Ed Brisson, Kelly Thompson, Matt Rosenberg uh, on writing duties, and then on art, we've got Mahmoud Asrar, Mark Bagley, and Mirko Kolak. So that's a good team. Heavy hitters. Yeah. Very, very much excited to see the Uncanny X Men brand finally return. Hope it's good. As do I. So, we've talked a lot. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. wait, wait. Down's next week? Yes. Maybe we do a little review. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, so, we've talked a lot about the Disney streaming service. And we finally have a name for this thing. It is, they put a lot of thought into they it. They really did. Uh, you'll never guess. It's called Disney Plus. Yeah. Whoa. Disney Plus. Yeah. Unbelievable. <laughs> Uh, it's sad. <laughs> it's kind of sad.
4: It's like it. It feels like a like a membership program, you know, that was like <laughs> released in like two
1: thousand one. Well, it's convenient yeah. for me because the only social media platform you can find me on is Google Plus. <laughs> uh,
5: <laughs> that's funny because this is gonna go the way of Google Plus. <laughs> You think so? Now, with Disney behind it, no, it'll be around for a long time.
4: The other one had Google behind it. See, the thing is, though, g- uh, unlike Disney, Google is totally willing to throw their money at something and then just be like, "Well,
2: yeah,
4: all right, oh well." Whereas, like, this is like, it's, <laughs> I, I'm hesitant to to make this an analogous joke, but with Disney, it's too big to fail. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I mean. Might be right. yeah. Yeah. Uh, they have
4: they have so much IP. You know, it's like people are gonna fucking pay for this service. Like if it has Disney OG content, it's got Marvel content, it's got Star Wars, it's it's gonna be this is gonna be a thing. Speaking
0: of IP, uh, we now know about a few of the projects that will absolutely be launching on this service, including a Loki television series. It is confirmed. Uh so we talked about the possibility of that. Uh, we also talked about the possibility of a Scar- Scarlet Witch Vision series. I'm sorry, I'm uh, sick, so bear with me. Um, <laughs> and uh, it looks like at least the Loki series is now confirmed. Um, there's also going to be a Rogue One spinoff series starring Cassian Andor. Um, and a series called The Mandalorian by Jon Favreau. Uh, also the Winter Soldier and Falcon series is confirmed as well. Huh. So um lots of good stuff. There's other stuff too. Uh, Clone Wars season, uh The Mighty Ducks series. Yo. Hey, what, what? Mighty yeah, Ducks. there's going to be a Mo- Mighty Ducks series, a Monsters Inc series.
1: Gordon Bombay. <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm so really lots- wait, the are we ass. talking
0: Listen, listen.
4: I know this is a comic book show. Are we talking a live action Mighty Ducks series? Like, is this going to be like a like a, a serialized television show about the Mighty Ducks? Uh,
0: <clears throat> well, just it just says all new series. It doesn't really. Um... All right, I'll take it. The yeah. v
5: where are they gonna Where are they gonna get all these ducks?
0: <laughs> I don't know.
1: We're
4: in the v formation, dude? Duckville. They got a whole duck universe. This is the Disney
0: synergy. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, so, we, when we first talked about this, uh, particular the Loki uh, series, we weren't super high on it. Now that it's confirmed, does anybody else have an opinion, an opinion that is different than what they originally stated? Is
5: there any more information other yeah. than it's going to be Loki? No. Them,
1: I think no. they're streaming it on www.tumblr.com as well. Uh,
6: Too tr- to many W's.
1: Uh, was there? Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs>
6: uh,
5: I- I'm going to look it up here. Is there an E in uh, that? <laughs> no e
1: on that Tumblr website, but they're going to stream it mm. there because they think that's where they'll maximize their audience.
0: Smart. Very good. Smart.
4: That was a long walk for a short drink. Sean of water had to fill. blow his nose, um, so I was stalling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm vamping. <laughs> Appreciate you, buddy. Yep. Uh, uh, I yeah. No. I, I yeah. I there, there's nothing really more for me here. It's like okay. Okay. Like let's see. Like let's see how it turns out. We're getting it right. So at this point, it's like <laughs> unless fine, I'm, fine. If you're gonna make, me. <laughs> yeah. It's like until they have something to show me. I feel like it's you know it. It, it just feels like an announcement. Just give now. me season four of Daredevil, please. <laughs>
6: Pretty please. That I'll get
0: excited for. So, we know that the the Falcon Winter Soldier show is coming, and uh, it's, you know, I I made the guess that that show would be based on them kind of, uh, one of them becoming the new Captain America. Um, But, actually, I have it on good authority that the new Captain America will not be either one of them. Oh, yeah? Who will it be, Sean? His name is John Cena! (laughs) John Cena posted on Instagram an image of the Captain America shield (laughs) with uh, Wolverine claws through it. And it got people thinking about... Captain America being portrayed (laughs) by John Cena. Of course, John Cena is a WWE wrestler who... Excuse me, Sean. He's a superstar. Sorry. (laughs) Who uh, often is is sort of portrayed as a patriotic individual and, you know, very stoic, you know, Superman type of guy. So, uh, you know, of course, people... There there are plenty of people who would like to see this. Uh, How awful would that
1: be? I'm watching you. That's exactly what the John Cena told the Undertaker at <laughs> Super <Slap. laughs> I
4: I think uh, I think it would be really good if they wanted. You guys know that really famous. I, I think it's a Rob Liefeld drawing of Captain America where he has his muscles are so sure. big that it looks like he has boobs like that. He could be that cap. Spit, slop, and swapping makeout be. match. <laughs>
0: Oh, boy. So, we talked about Marvel's Netflix shows and uh, how they've been received lately. Uh, An interesting piece of information has come out that it's actually not any of the Marvel Netflix shows that are the crown jewel of Marvel on TV. Hmm. It's actually Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What? Yes, uh in unbelievable news presented by Screen Rant uh and written by uh a friend of ours, Tom Bacon. Tommy B uh a, a website called Parent Analytics, um shared exclusively with Screen Rant this information. Basically what they do is they track uh and measure demand for different T V series based on how people interact with them. Um with respect to how often they are streamed, how often they're DVR'd, how often they're shared using file sharing uh, services, and social media activity. Um, and they rank Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. within the top 0.03% of in demand TV shows worldwide. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, up there with Better Call Saul, Criminal Minds, and Vikings. Um, and it's actually higher than shows like Supergirl, Arrow, and Fear the Walking Dead. So, far better it's performing than um, the Marvel Netflix shows. That's wild.
4: I don't know anyone that watches that show. Me neither. Dude, That's that's gotta be like a, um, like a, like a, uh, what's, like a Big Bang Theory situation. Yeah. Where it's like, it's gotta all be, it's gotta all be like, you know, the 40 to 50 to 60 crowd. Who watch it? Well, and don't tweet about it.
5: I don't. I don't think so because, like, you have the group of you know, like shippers, and and you know, we joked about the Tumblr crowd, but like That's they, true. you know, they follow that shit hard, and uh, that show is, you know, uh, it's a top show for for shipping. Like, it's so full of young, you know, youngish teens and and drama and Ages of Shield like has teens. I, is that true? Yeah, I mean youngish people, huh, yeah. Is it? Like Chloe Bennett, you know, she's she I don't think she's anywhere in in near thirty.
0: Huh. Well that's well, not. Kale's point his his overall point is just that it, it appeals to young people because the 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 actors are young and attractive. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Huh. And and yeah, there's like there there are like legitimate, like good romance plots. I mean it's you know
4: and it appeals to old people because it's on T V. <laughs> yeah and then
5: i mean when you compare it to uh you know we've talked about this before when you compare it to stuff like arrow and the flash and supergirl like uh, the uh even as a a marvel tv show on 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 tv like the effects are better it's you know it, it it uses what it has smartly you know um and like i i haven't seen it probably since season three when the inhumans were uh, a big part of it mm-hmm. um, but like it was good mm-hmm. like they're you know they, they had to deviate because of like the movies and stuff but like they do it in a smart way and it it is compelling
1: I have are, heard that are you, it's good are you going to watch the spinoff series
0: Kay. is there a spinoff yeah, series uh, Young Coulson <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, the one thing about this that <laughs> nailed them.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, agents of shield airs on on abc that is huge right uh anyone can tune in whereas there is a barrier of entry to watch netflix you know uh, you have to pay yeah so i i it's not a surprise to me that agents of shield performs better in that respect i'm, I'm surprised by how well it does perform though and it also causes me to wonder how different things might be if the Marvel Netflix shows aired on, let's say HBO or FX or one of those. If they'd all been ABC shows from the beginning, not ABC because it was sucked.
1: Yeah, there would have been. Uh...
4: Well, I don't know. <laughs> maybe it wouldn't have. Well, they <laughs> Agents they, of Shield is doing they great.
0: Would be very, very different shows. Yeah, sure. Yeah, maybe they would suck, but they'd be. Very...
5: Um. I, I, yeah, uh, I I don't know. I would also point out that I think ABC has also tried to kill Agents of Shield for a long time, and like they moved it to to death slots several times, and it's still hanging it won't on. You know, fucking
0: die. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's absolutely correct. Uh, Disney wanted Agents of Shield to stay alive, and ABC has wanted to cut it quite a bit. So yeah, it's been a a struggle there. Uh, so, Avengers 4, believe it or not, is right around the corner. Uh, sure, it's 2018 and the movie comes out in 2019, but, time flies. So, the question is, when are we gonna get a trailer? That's what everybody's talking about. And, uh, Joe Russo says that it's unlikely, or he's, sorry, not unlikely, he says, you may or may not see it before the calendar turns to 2019, which is a contrast to what Kevin Feige recently said, because he said we would see it this year. Now, that's fine and everything. The real meat of his latest comments is that the movie currently is three hours
1: long. Hell yeah. Yeah. What are you bitching about, Pete? Or Kale, sorry.
4: (laughs) I I literally didn't make a sound. what the fuck,
6: Pete?
4: Yeah, Pete... (laughs)
5: jeez
0: okay a question was asked
5: listen i (laughs) since we've done this this podcast this evening slash morning i've gotten up to pee three times i and i've gotten food i've gotten snacks i've gotten what i need an intermission (laughs) you can't keep doing this to people
4: Back in my day, they would have the decency to break the movie up into two parts and let me pee and get some red vines. (laughs) Like, why is that so hard? I remember seeing
1: Gone with the Wind on opening night. There was a live accompaniment from an orchestra, and they split it up with an intermission. Why can't they do that now? Old man yells at Cloud. I'm Cal Ward. Bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
5: I mean, yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> I don't have any defense for that one. I want an intermission. Like. I,
4: I love that Cal's issue is I'm going to need to pee in this movie. <laughs> That's my problem. I don't want it to be three hours long because I will have to pee. Well,
1: hopefully Thanos snaps his finger so you don't have to pee during the movie.
5: God, I wish Thanos would fucking snap his fingers to make me stop peeing.
6: So uh Whoa.
1: that sounds really painful.
6: <laughs> I'm I'm usually okay with movies being long. Uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, like I love sitting through like the extended editions. Like I, My man. I, I'm okay with this shit as long as you're there to tell the story and it's paced out well and it's good. Um, I'm there.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Like, three hours is... <laughs> like, it's not that much longer than two and a half. You know? It's like, if, if they use that time well, it's fine.
0: I desperately wanted Infinity War to be longer. Uh, a lot of people are of the opinion that the movie feels sort of rushed towards the end. And that a lot was left on the cutting room floor. I could definitely see that argument. Yeah. And I don't want Avengers 4 to be cut short for the sake of fitting it into more showings, I want to see what the Russos want us to see. Whatever that ends up being, wise.
6: Yeah. Agreed. And if it's longer and you have the demand, that's just longevity because it's such a long movie, you have to space it out to fit the people who want to actually come see it.
0: Yeah. I, I think... That's true. Yeah. yeah. It could run
4: for a longer amount of time because of that. Potential. Maybe they can release a senior cut for senior citizens. <laughs> Listen, it's, it's literally the exact same cut of the movie, but then in the middle, it's the intermission scene from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> now listen, hard
5: cut, hard cut. Now, now we're talking. All you have to do is push pause on the DVD player. <laughs> they're not, they're not doing rocket science up uh, there geez,
6: anymore. He still uses DVD.
2: <laughs>
0: oh god! So, uh, moving right along. Venom yes. is, actually <laughs> is actually outperforming Spider-Man yes. in China. Not only Spider-Man Homecoming, nope. but Captain America Civil War and Avengers Age of Ultron. Now, Pete,
1: <laughs> how do you feel about that? <laughs>
0: Wait,
6: wait, wait. Uh, why are you asking Pete? He defended it since the beginning. I'd be shut asking you, Phil. That's why
4: I'm, I'm the number one Venom fan. That's mm, oh, why. It okay, totally makes sense. It. Yeah, yeah, you get it. Mario. I got it, I got it. Uh, no, I mean, <laughs> funny enough, like, this kind of makes sense to me. Because, like, like, Venom's a monster, basically. And, like, the East has like a tradition of liking movies about monsters you know like big dumb movies where we fight a big monster like tend to perform well in China so it's like Venom's a CGI fest about a weird monster superhero it's like yeah okay like I buy can that you tell us more uh, they're about
6: also it. into tentacles
4: can you tell us more about your expertise on the East
6: Pete <laughs> <laughs>
5: It's
4: not like I said the Orient, Phil, okay? I uh... mean,
5: that was, I got to side with Phil here. That was a pretty broad generalization. (laughs) Let
4: me take my
1: widest, thickest brush and cast it over the biggest continent
4: in the world. You guys, like, you're literally acting like there's not, like, box office numbers to support what I'm saying. Like, from
5: two you, completely you, separate countries. Tell
4: us about your experience with okay, the East, okay, my friend. Okay, no, okay. No, no, no. And, now and you guys two are being completely separate people. you like You know, it's a movie that did really well in China because it's a movie about fucking monster people. Warcraft. That's two. <laughs> like i like i literally didn't say anything remotely controversial well
0: to to be fair world of warcraft <laughs> is actually a massively popular game in china so it's possible that people played or watched it because of that so- but I have no, I have no horse in the race. Yes. I'm actually excited to continue to listen to you guys argue about.
1: This. Oh, I'm not arguing anything. I just want to hear more about Pete's expertise on the
4: East. I want to know more. I don't know anything about the East. I know about how movies sell. Okay, all right, fucking relax. We are pleased. Yes. <laughs> Jesus
1: Christ! Oh, don't man, box Speedy into a corner with his Panda Express.
2: So,
0: so Venom opened to thirty-four million dollars in China, uh, which is actually the second biggest opening day for a superhero movie in Chinese box office history. Wow! Um, really beating out, wow. like I said, several other very popular. Uh, Marvel films so, and and on top of that Venom has actually crossed the 500 million dollar mark globally, so this movie has been a massive, massive success the
1: parasite
4: spreading, Pete into the you east
0: you know what,
4: real quick, I just, I want to rewind this because not to like throw Marco under the bus I love how <laughs> I made that comment and then he goes, yeah, they like tentacles that's Japan, and I was talking about China, and nobody comments on that
5: you know a lot about what Japan likes, not. huh? Pete? Yeah, jeez. All about those. Ten- <laughs> you, you think they're all about those tentacles? God, yeah, you're
4: right.
5: And I, I tell, I tell you what. I was going to defend you here because I did look up uh, Godzilla 2014 on opening weekend. It made 37 million.
2: Yeah.
5: Wow. Uh, but now you're just painting China and Japan with <laughs> your long tentacle no, brush.
2: My
1: you're disgusting.
5: A- you Make I'm me out. sick.
1: I'm done, I know I Pete met this man from Laos, and he asked, are you from China or Japan? And it was
4: real messed up. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite. That's the best joke you've ever made on this show, Phil. Fine speech, Pete. Listen. Another
5: another Phil... interesting fact. The Godzilla 2014 movie only made $5 million in Japan on opening weekend. Wow.
1: <laughs> wow. That's the one. Surprising.
5: This is this is the one with uh, Brian Cranston and the other shitty Cal, guy. Kyle,
1: listen, Pete, Pete's an expert <laughs> on the far Bryan east. Brian Cranston's shitty. Marco, hold on, please. Bryan Let me Cranston get a word in edgewise Cal. here. <laughs> My Kyle, Mar- you don't need to explain these stats. Pete is the expert on the east. He knows all these off the top of his head. You
5: know, guys. Uh, well, I, I wish he th- would tell me the <laughs> uh, the opening weekend stats in Peru.
4: Well, he doesn't know Peru. That's not the east.
5: Oh, it's somewhere's east.
4: <laughs> Five o'clock somewhere. It's east of somewhere. I just I
0: love it. The east.
4: Listen, <laughs> just call me. Just call me Akira Yoshida.
0: All right. Uh <sighs> no. <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs> no. Not really.
5: Hey, hey. You know what? You stumbled onto the problem. Well done.
0: <laughs> oh
1: wow,
0: Jesus. Sean, when you you're all bad. Sean, when you do
1: the plugs, you have to introduce Pete correctly now.
0: (laughs) Oh, I would never do my man like that. Thank you. Oh man, that's funny. Okay, Uh, so
4: good lord, you make one comment about the Chinese box office about the East about the Chinese.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So Marvel has announced a follow-up to their Old Man series with Old Man Quill. Uh, So, Old Man Logan just wrapped, and Old Man Hawkeye is coming to an end. So, of course, that means we obviously need another Old Man title. Like, do we, though? Of course. (laughs) Uh, So, Ethan Sachs, who is the writer uh, for this book, announced that he would be writing the uh, follow-up to the series with old man Peter Quill. And it's going to be called Old Man Quill.
1: We already saw this in a movie. It was called The Force Awakens with Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um,
0: this is interesting because uh, <clears throat> I can't think of a single person who thought that uh, we needed this.
5: And and it's it's weird how
0: the original book,
5: Old, Old Man Logan, from Mark Miller made in the early two thousands. Sure. But okay. Has evolved into Old Man Quill in twenty eighteen. Like
4: Yeah, it's almost like the recycling ideas. The or something. House of Ideas <laughs>
1: More like the house out of ideas.
4: Whoa! <laughs> bu- bu- bu-
2: bu- 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 <laughs> Listen,
1: Sean's right. No one has interest in Old Man Quill. I'm waiting for the next se- uh, installment in the Old Man series, which is Old Man Kale. Now, that's something I want to read about. Uh, they're out of chicken
0: at Perkins again. <sighs> And you know, I just, we don't get credit for our old man bin, right? Old man stan. That's a thing we do. No <laughs> one talks about that.
4: For good reason. It's a to classic go. Marvel series old man stan. Yeah. Uh
0: I don't know. Will I read it? No. Uh it's just
5: so like and I don't have anything to add here because it's just so weird. Like, what a fasc... Why do they have this fascination with geriatric I heroes? Miss
1: Rocket. He died years ago because he's a raccoon.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... Uh, I- Stuff like this is just so deeply frustrating to me, man. Cause it's like, yeah, old man Logan was like a cool one off thing one time. And then it's like, all right, we're gonna revisit that because Hawkeye was like canonically a character in that universe. Let's tell some stories about him. Did we need that? No, but like at least I understand it. But it's like, that's ending. So we need a thing to replace that, obviously. Can we just, just make something new? Just let some, let it die. Let these yeah. old people die. And it's also like what it's also like this is not interesting like the whole thing of old man Logan is like oh that's cool cuz Wolverine doesn't get old so what's it like when he gets old that's like a novel question and it's like with Star-Lord it's just what is why are we doing this? And you know what's the real answer? Is because 10 years ago, Mark, or however many years ago, Mark Villar made Old Man Logan. That's why this book exists now. And that's not a good reason to make a book.
1: I remember it was 45 years ago. I had to take Rocket to the vet on Nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to know we were going. I said we were going, to the, we were going to the circus. He was excited. His memory wasn't what it used to be. I still remember his face when he realized that I wasn't coming back.
0: Oh my god. He said
1: to me, Gamora, how could you?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Let
1: me write this book.
0: (laughs) Please do. Please do. Um... In defense of the series, though, I will say that the concept of taking a character and, uh, you know, showing us them in their last days is pretty old. uh, In and of itself, far older than Old Man Logan. That, inspired by the Dark Knight Returns and all that kind of stuff, so... uh, Even
4: Spider-Man Reign. Like, there's plenty of examples. Right. Uh, Not
1: many people know this, but... In his final days, Rocket wore a diaper. <laughs> I could see that. I
5: had—I—I I couldn't tell him I had to cut down Groot and use him as my
2: teeth.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> and, and Rocket's dementia, I used to give him
0: Groot's spark to chew on.
1: Couldn't tell him it was <laughs> group.
0: I love it. Oh, thank you, Marvel. Thank you for publishing this. He
5: would, he would just gnaw on that dancing
2: little twig.
0: <laughs> oh God! All right. Uh, so I miss <laughs>
4: Much like Marvel, <laughs> Phil does not know when to let a bit die. <laughs> I'm writing a 12 issue series right now.
6: Much like Disney, uh, the the head the head out of ideas. All
1: right, that that was a part right. okay. okay, you just
4: took Kale's joke and made it worse.
5: Marco killed All
0: the bit, so I guess let's do the rest <laughs> of the fucking care. show. Yeah, maybe we just move on now.
4: Uh... That's why we need Marco. He's the hype slayer. <laughs> <laughs> I am the hype.
0: <laughs> so, uh, and the strangest move of the week, uh, AMC has announced that they're making three movies about Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. Now, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it's impossible to talk about this if, you, I mean they just aired the issue where it's his last issue or episode. episode why do i always do that i always do that uh they aired the last episode of the walking dead that includes rick grimes and uh, they're making movies with him so you know they're going to figure out a way to do that uh what's weird about it is that they're making 3 movies and that each will follow rick grimes uh with whatever happens to him after the uh, last episode of the show that includes him uh, and that these movies will apparently all air on AMC and they're going to show uh, different pockets of the Walking Dead world um, this
6: is the AMC version of uh, the man with no name <laughs> <laughs> this is the AMC version of Old Man oh, that's it uh, this is interesting just because to your point they have to write him off the show but then write him off in a way that he can appear in these movies um, I was I was actually thinking they're just going to write him off and like he might be gone from this like the f- subsequent seasons let's say or like whatever other material that there is um, and not necessarily be dead so that they could re- they can reuse him and reincorporate
4: him if they need him. Yeah, I mean it seems like that's the case, right? Like you know, obviously these are stories moving forward in the timeline if he's exploring the world. So, he must get cuz I don't know. Sean, you're are you still watching the show? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I I fell off after no. last season. <laughs> oh, no. Um <laughs> and yeah, it, it's that's obviously got to be the takeaway, <clears throat> right? That like he I think I heard that it ends with him, like, getting in a helicopter or something and, like, going somewhere. <clears throat> My attempt so was, was not like, to
0: spoil the ending. I actually know what it is.
4: Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can cut that it's out, okay, I guess. okay. Fuck it. Uh, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like if you care about spoilers, you're probably watching the show and have seen
0: this Let's very... Let's not know. even get into that conversation.
4: Either way, this is a weird announcement, and I don't... I feel like if I was still watching the show, I would be upset by this.
0: If I was still watching the show, I would have question marks over my head. I have question marks over my head right now. It does, is, why can't you just continue to tell the stories with Rick on the show? Why do you need to do three movies? This is really strange. Uh, obviously, you know, AMC can do whatever the hell they want to do, but Walking Dead feels like a property that's kind of fading. I, granted, the ratings are, yeah. are still strong for any show, but for The Walking Dead, the ratings are weak. So the Yeah, they, they've they hit their lowest point this season right. since the first season. So the solution is to give us more Walking Dead.
4: And not only to give us more Walking Dead, but to splinter it. You know, like, cause, I don't know, again, right? Like, I'm kind of removed from the fandom, so I don't know what people are thinking about these last two seasons. But, like, Rick was is the main character and is generally a character that people like. Yeah. So, like, I don't see how helping a show that's like, seems to be struggling in the ratings is by giving us more of this, like, franchise that already feels fatigued while also removing the cast of characters that we like, right? Because it's like, Carl was gone after last season. I know that a lot of people were talking about how – I think we talked about this a couple episodes ago, like, over the summer about how Deny um I can't remember her name, Kim but the, the woman who plays... No, 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 no. Well, yeah, it's Niagara Era, but also, like, the woman oh. who... Pl- Lauren Cohen and, like, two or three of the other, like, main characters that have been around since the beginning are also have their contracts up and will likely be written off in some capacity. So it's like, what are we even going to be left with? It's like Norman Reedus and a cast of characters that we don't care about as much as the characters that we used to follow, is what it sounds like. And it's like, I don't know about that, man.
0: So, uh, Scott Gimple is the showrunner um, and chief content officer over at The Walking Dead. And uh, he had this to say about these movies. These are going to be big, epic entertainments. Uh, that's an interesting way to describe it. I really that.
4: thought the quote was going to end yeah. there, and I was like,
0: did he have a stroke? Like- <laughs> <laughs> uh, each are quality films. That's what's been happening in the industry. We've seen Netflix make these basically studio films for people to watch in their homes, and we're going to be doing the same sort of thing here. Uh, The new Rick Grimes movies will take place in a very very new situation with its own history that is very, very different from what we've seen before. Uh, And he also goes on to say that the movies will tell an epic story told over years. You're going to see characters that are dead and gone we're going to see different stories of future characters. We're going to see all around the world. We're going to see the past, the future. I don't even understand that. Walking Dead is not like what kind of what is he? Is he gonna find a time machine? How is he? No gonna, flashbacks. But it's, it's like different stories of future characters. What
6: <sighs> it, it it sounds like they want to build some kind of universe within the walking dead outside of just the shows and like the background they want to fill in that lore with new stuff and to pull to pump out new content which i think is kind of too late to do you know you 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 should have i guess there should have been foresight to try to do that which is something that marvel did like with the MCU, right but this is sort of like they're trying to maybe appeal to that and have these
4: threads throughout their world um but i don't know it's a weird play well especially because like <clears throat> it didn't work super well when they did it the first time. Like Fear of the Walking Dead is successful, but it's not Walking Dead, you know? Like I don't know, it just it does feel like a weird move, but what I get from that quote is it feels like they're they want to tell stories in like a less linear way. Like I imagine that there's going to be a a plot that's moving forward maybe for each film, maybe across these three films, but I I think it's going to have a lot more to do about Rick, like, internally and, like, how he's dealing with things and, like, the ghosts that he's still carrying with him and, you know, like, at this point in the show you gotta imagine, right, like, if he's going off on his own, I imagine his daughter's, like, dead, too so, like, maybe his whole family's gone most of his friends are dead or, or whatever, like, and he's a man who's you know, like, to Kale's point, it is kind of like an old man Logan thing of, like, he's just kind of waiting to die. But, you know, he's too much of a fighter to just throw in the towel. And, like, I – I, it sounds like it's going to be a more – a narrative that focuses more inward rather than, like, about the group and the world and, you know, that sort of stuff. But I, I don't know. I'm interpreting – well I
5: think I, I I think you're you're half right. He'll probably be like traveling and we'll see him, you know, sitting around a campfire with, you know, some Samaritans who who take him in for a hot second and they tell him their story. Yeah. And he learns a lesson and then moves on or something.
4: Or it, could, it could be like a very like Mad Max kind of thing. Where like he rolls into town and fixes a problem and then leaves. You Do you know?
1: No. Yeah. I haven't said anything on this subject, so I guess I need to talk now. Do you think that... You don't have to.
6: Yeah, it's not it's not required. I mean, I do it all the time. Shit.
1: <laughs> now, I just want to know, do you think the East would be interested in these movies?
6: <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, there's no m- m- <laughs> giant monsters or tentacles in them, so...
0: <laughs> there are m- what? monsters, though, in that there are zombies...
5: Not big Um, enough, though.
0: Actually, guys, I have it on good authority that the East does not like uh, zombies because they are (laughs) decomposing bodies. And in fact, in the Chinese edition of World of Warcraft, (laughs) uh, there are no zombies. There are no decomposing (laughs) bodies. And when your characters die, their skeletons don't appear because they don't like that in the East.
1: Well, Sean, let me confirm with my expert on the East. Is that true? Yeah, that tracks all right.
0: There you go. Uh, so, uh, so, we recently learned a, a little tidbit about the HBO Watchmen series that uh, I just wanted to point to. Um, Jeremy Irons is going to be playing Adrian Veidt, who also is known as Ozymandias, on the HBO Watchmen show. That's pretty big, I would say. That's wild. It's it's kind of our first clue into what this show's really going to be, because up until this point, <laughs> none of the...
5: <laughs> Old man Ozzy <laughs> Mendez. There you go.
0: <laughs> N- none of the uh, original Watchmen characters were slated to be on it. We hadn't heard anything about that. Now we know of at least one that will definitely be on the show.
1: He's a uh, great
0: actor. I am a huge Jeremy Irons fan. Yeah. So this is like this is the best thing they could have said to me to get me to watch this show.
5: I mean, yeah, you've got two eyes and a heart. Like <laughs>
0: well,
5: Of course you're a Jeremy Irons fan.
4: I feel like it also to me it it it's it's one of those like kinds of casting announcements that speaks to the quality level of the show. Because he's a movie star. You know? Like He's not – that he's somebody that I, I would imagine, like, commands at least a decent-sized paycheck for, like, a TV
0: production, you know? I
4: yeah. would
0: say that literally him and Wonder Woman were the best parts of Batman vs. Superman. So I am super hyped to see him in this show. I think that it speaks to, like Pete said, the quality that they're aiming for, but it also speaks to the tone. Because he's a very serious actor. Yeah. And uh, I think that uh, as far as signs go for this show and what we can expect this is a great sign. Yeah, I agree. Um, but that's it. Just wanted to throw that in there. Just because I think it's interesting. It's cool. uh, in other DC news over on the comic side of things, uh, Black Label is about to get a lot bigger. Because DC is reprinting several of their classics under the Black Label banner, uh, and that includes some of our favorite comics here on the Comic Spells. Uh, All Star Superman is going to be reprinted. Hell yeah! Hey, well, that's dope. Uh, DC, the New Frontier. That, that's Ooh, a Cal nice. favorite. It's yeah, little... Watchmen is uh, going to be reprinted with a Modern Classics. Never heard of that uh, one. What, tagline: What is that book? Uh, I don't know some book.
5: Uh, Alan Moore, Alan Moore, and Dave Gibbons are never going to get those right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Um, especially with how popular this book is in the East.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, think about the end. There's a
0: giant monster. Yeah. Exactly. Tentacles.
1: Tentacles. Tentacles. Exactly.
0: Um, you guys are getting it. It's actually being reprinted with a DC Modern Classics edition tag mm. and a new. Slipcase design by Dave Gibbons, so that's pretty cool. That's interesting. Nice. That makes it worth a purchase for people who already have it. Uh, Kingdom Come is going to be reprinted. Nice. Uh, And there, there are so many on this list. I'm just going to run through a couple more of the more interesting ones. Uh, All Star Batman and Robin. Yes.
2: The Immortals.
0: Luther and Joker. Which are both celebrating their tenth anniversaries, so those will be tenth anniversary editions of those. Um, the Joker, which is getting a deluxe edition, is that the Azarilla book? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. that's actually the uh, that's the same one I just mentioned, but this this is a deluxe version. Ah. Uh, um. So there's two prints of yeah, it. Yeah, they're 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 coming out with two different versions next year for that book. Cool. Uh, and then, like again, Red Sun Swamp, plane. Yeah, no, nice. swamp Thing, no Swamp fan. Damn! Wow, they, no, they're smart. That's
4: actually kind of surprising. It is. Right. Well, no, I guess not. not I really. guess there isn't Whoa. like <laughs> tread lightly, no, Peter. Well, I mean, when... <laughs> tread lightly. No, no, no. For... First of all, I was the one who said it was surprising, so I'm getting real sick of these false well, yeah, narratives. Yeah, surprising because
1: he's so popular
4: in the East.
6: <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> That's what I was going to say. There you go.
1: (laughs) My man's an expert on the (laughs) yeast. Oof.
0: Uh, Yeah, so, to be honest, I I might go broke in 2019, because I want all of this. Are all of them coming out in 2019? Yeah, every one on this list list is slated. Are these
5: not all books that you already have?
0: A majority of them are. It's just that I, you know, I'm a collector. I love, you know, updated editions. I love cool covers. uh, All that stuff, so... Um, I, I'm very enticed by, by this. I've wanted
1: a hardcover of Red Sun for some time.
0: Uh, they... Oh, oof, these are trades. My are god! Yeah. Oh, then, then I I mean, I'm not well, interested. Th- I guess that doesn't mean they're not hardcover, but it says trade, so... I, I don't know. I see trade, I interpret that as soft. Yeah. Yeah. Dicks and balls.
4: I prefer the softbacks because they're, like... Always so much less
0: expensive. Fair. <laughs> I, I agree, but I when it comes to prestige stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. I that's fair. I need um, to have that. Do
1: they, do they make mangas in hardcover, Pete? Yeah. Oh, shit. Thanks,
2: Marco. Nice. <laughs> <laughs>
6: I, I, I
4: froze because Mar- like, I was like, I assume... You're like, the expert. Yeah,
5: Marco's. Marco's like, oh, what
2: a weird question. <laughs> yeah, of
1: course they do. Interweab- I'll provide insight here. Marco's inner weeaboo came in He's like, I can answer this question on anime <laughs> and manga.
6: M&A's in manga. Yep.
0: So our last bit of news here is actually uh, just a kind of celebration of uh, one of our favorite creators. Uh, Grant Morrison has signed a deal with Universal Cable Productions to produce... More of his content. Um, there's going to be a well. There's already the Happy series, which is over on Sci-Fi that I believe is doing well. Uh, yeah. I haven't really heard a lot, but uh, I think
4: it got renewed for a second season, so it's I gotta be doing well enough. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, I'm pretty sure. That's quick. I could too, be wrong, but I th- think so.
0: Because I mean, the first one proven wrong last year.
1: Proven wrong. Yeah, I mean,
0: go for it. Uh, there will there will also be uh, he is developing a a uh, series uh, a, a television series based on the comic book The Invisible. Fucking so that's going to be coming. That's, that's his huge. magnum opus, baby. Yep. Uh, yeah. Season two of of Happy is actually in production. So
1: I was wrong. Okay.
0: There you go. Hashtag Pete was right. <laughs> um, and then strangely, but actually very interestingly, uh, Morrison along with a few others. Are developing a television series based on Brave New World. Dope. The the book by Aldous Huxley. Yeah, dope.
4: Oh, I, I like when you said that. I was like, is that is that like a crisis book? Like, y- you mean like the actual book? Like, that's weird as fuck. But I'm into that. Yeah.
0: Um.
5: Oh, I don't know that Morrison title.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. <laughs> Like, that's just such a straight, okay, like, sure, whatever. I, he honestly is, like, I could see I could see that being a good property for him to tackle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's as sort of zany and weird and offbeat as he is. And I think he, he yeah. can definitely bring a, a, an interesting flavor to that. And there's, like, an otherworldliness
4: to it. You know, like even though it's not like there's no supernatural things, like the setting feels very off in a way that I feel like he could he could really do some some good work there. So that's that's pretty cool. That's a cool announcement. Yep.
0: So congratulations to Grant Morrison. Oh, thank you very Reed. much, Sean. <laughs> I appreciate all this adoration.
4: Oh, bad Grant, you're back.
1: I heard my name. I had to come.
0: Well, uh, we, we're we just celebrating you because we're so excited for the fact that you're going to be working on all these TV projects. How do you find the time to balance all this stuff?
1: I escape into another dimension like mister Mixel lick Is that how you say it? Yeah, mi-
0: mix-spit-lick. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like my Friday night. All right. Uh, so, Grant, we're actually about to talk about your book, uh, Green Lantern, number one. Um, so we're going to have to let you go. But before we do, uh, can you just let us know uh, how excited you are to be producing this book, Green Lantern?
1: You know, Dan DiDio came to me uh, at dinner once and he presented the idea of me writing Green Lantern, and I was extremely excited by the idea. My first thought was to do a police procedural, but like anything else I do, it just became buck-ass wild. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like you might say that
1: <laughs> Anyway
0: Oh thank you so much I
1: won't hold you up any further Bye <laughs> Bye Grant Adios This Glaswegian's out of here
0: <laughs> Alright well that's going to take us Into our review of Green Lantern Number one
5: He went He went from fucking liver puddley And straight to bad Glaswegian <laughs>
4: See, I like, I like that Kale knows the actual dialects because I, because I heard "Bad Grant Morrison to Bad Shrek." That's what I just heard.
5: <laughs> I mean, that to be fair, that is Glaswegian.
4: <laughs> Get
0: out of me interdimensional portal, me interdimensional swamp. All right, so we've all been pretty excited about uh, Grant Morrison and Liam Sharp's Green Lantern, and the book has finally dropped. So we're gonna spend the end of the show just kind of talking about it. Uh, all of us are well. I shouldn't say all of us; those of us who you know understand and love comics, like <laughs> Kale and Phil and I, yeah, love bitch. Grant Morrison.
4: Whoa! <laughs> you, hey, you're not a Grant
0: Morrison man, so.
4: Um, well, no, I know, but like you don't have to give me a dig for it. Yeah, <laughs> listen, I don't know.
5: I don't know what kind of comic books they have in the east, but. <laughs> Like they're
4: <laughs> you know, I it's my favorite writer, Akira Yoshida. It's, that's really my bad. <laughs> oh, no. Um,
0: but yeah. So Phil, why don't you like start with your thoughts because it's you know it's our boy. Actually,
5: All right. hang on, I need to call Phil out because Ooh. in our Uh-oh. in our Uh-oh. Facebook thread, this motherfucker <laughs> oh. posted like three pages oh. from the middle so, of the book to it okay I'll give you two, two and a, and a half panel. because you definitely they weren't from the same set no, they of were pages back
1: to back pages <laughs>
5: <laughs> you piece of shit and then not only when we said hey man we're reviewing that we're all looking forward to it please don't post spoilers you dug in and posted another panel you piece of shit <laughs>
4: I'm calling you out, and then and then and then when we collectively called you out on it, you just posted gifs and memes, <laughs> like the
1: <laughs> meme you are. I just listen, I leaned into it. And I was like, "Well, I fucked up,
0: but I can't apologize for it." <laughs> See, I I wanted to I strangle. Maybe you, you. should have. <laughs> I uh, I was furious.
5: Uh, I yeah. I I had to put my phone down and walk away. Like I was.
0: Kale, Kale
4: was literally like, I'm fucking done with this, and just leaves. I knew this
1: was coming up on the show today, too. I had a week to pretty much prep for this.
0: Thankfully, I didn't Dude. see this. I didn't see it immediately when you posted it. I had the benefit I, of seeing the rage that was projected at you. I deleted it. I Yeah, but I saw them. I just knew <laughs> what was coming, so I scrolled up super fast. Because I want to read the rest <coughs> of the conversation, but I didn't want to see the spoilers. You! Hmm? Phil. Yes. With with no encouragement of this kind of behavior at all. <laughs> or shit. <laughs> Listen, you did not have to click the thumbnails. And there were no spoilers. I didn't. There you go. I didn't click them. There you go. You posted pictures in a chat. What the hell do you think is going to happen? They were at
1: your own choice and will to click whether or not you wanted to click them. Duh.
5: Motherfucker. <laughs> Stop defending yourself. You fucked
6: up. <laughs> I will say. Stop digging in! I will say, in Phil's defense, it wasn't a big deal.
0: Yes! What? Yes! Marco, listen, you live in the same city as me. You better (laughs) chill out, man.
1: (laughs) Vindication is spelled M A R C O. I don't know how
5: the three pals that ended up on this show, ended up including me, because Phil and Marco are about to get their ass kicked and fired.
1: <laughs> chill, dude. Nice.
4: <laughs> I mean... <laughs>
0: Alright, well,
4: think If you think being strangled by Sean, and then having a foot put up your ass by a kale, sounds chill.
1: Chill. So, Green Lantern, huh? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked, Sean. <laughs> uh-huh. Um... I didn't know what to expect. Uh, this is the first uh, comic book uh, in in the DC wheelhouse that Grant Morrison has written in five years. Um, so I, I didn't know. I, I I honestly didn't know what to expect. Um, and I read like the first two pages, and I was like, "Holy shit, I am in!" Like the dialogue was just bouncy and fun, um, and it just it just like. Between the writing and the, and the art, it felt like a two thousand eighty book, and I was yes. dialed in because mm-hmm. it just it felt like a space opera of just of, of just a lot of fun. And then like this 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 freaking guy Grant Morrison is just like, oh, it's gonna be a police procedural, you know? I just want to focus on what makes a cop a cop kind of thing. He freaking includes a virus that has a green lantern ring that goes inside. Yeah. Yeah, Like what the shit? And then the the freaking climax of this book, you know, he's like, Oh, in our service, there are x-ray lanterns, radio lanterns, gamma lanterns, microwave lanterns. And this isn't entirely a new concept. Like other writers have kind of tiptoed around like different light spectrums having, uh, uh, representation of Green Lantern Corps, but if there's one guy who's gonna handle it in a in a, an extremely interesting I'm way, yeah, it's gonna be Grant Morrison. And not just that, he's talked about doing for Green Lantern what he did for Batman, making everything canon. This freaking guy picks a woman out from the 1960s Green Lantern comics named Eve Dormus and brings her back for a fling with Hal Jordan. This guy went back fifty years to pick a random woman. Yeah, because it's Grant Morrison.
0: Um. So, did you like it? I loved it
1: for a first issue. I thought it was as good as it could be.
0: Wow, high praise.
1: Yeah, I mean, first issues are tough to nail. We've done a lot of first issues and reviews of this show, and it's oftentimes like it's good for a first issue. This was a good issue. Period.
0: What about you, Kale?
5: I don't know that I agree. Um, not that I necessarily think it's bad. I I had to read it twice to to get it all in, and you know, your mileage may vary on whether that's good or bad. But that's like a normal Grant book. Well, I I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily call that good. I wouldn't call it great. I agree. Because cause I, I and what I what I mean specifically is. I had to read it twice because I didn't quite understand what was going on um, I, I think it's interesting that you say that the uh, the first two pages were your favorite because I didn't understand anything that happened on those two pages. yeah so I had to I had to uh, these two little purple guys are speaking alien uh, Scottish. <laughs> And I had to actually take a second to say it out loud and and put that together in my head, and I just like it, it was it was it was very um, it was it was all very Grant Morrison for sure, but I think I think almost worse than that it was it was to what Phil said it it was too bouncy. I just I you know I I I. I I don't know if I couldn't keep up. I I just it wasn't I couldn't quite wrap my my head around what was going on. Um and then all the all the business about how Jordan being uh, you know a beatnik uh you know wandering the the country, you know, with just a, a, a backpack and a you know a sandwich or whatever. I didn't get a feel for that really. Like He's laying on the ground for two full pages, three full pages because I assume that one of them is a double page spread. And then he's just walking down the road with a backpack. I just I I guess I I would have liked to have seen some of the bits of, you know, uh in, instead of the the dialogue, I would have liked to have seen his his various jobs. They're
1: probably going to,
5: you know, Yeah, maybe,
6: but, you know, uh, with what I have,
5: I don't know that I would say this is necessarily a a very good first issue.
6: Grant's uh, dialogue for me has always been this sort of, in this nebulous place where it's grounded, he writes it, but there's this sort of, uh, I don't know, this larger subtext that he's writing to, which is sometimes hard to, to swallow for me, that I think this book, had a lot of and and to what you mentioned, Kale about sort of the alien, uh, sort of Irish or what what it is is it it sort of reminds me of of that and stuff he would do in like um, uh, was it ultimate the no the all new X Men right mm. yeah. yeah new X Men new X Men and um, so. Uh, I came into it with that sort of expectation of, all right, this is sort of the, the thing you're going to have to digest. And with that, I think it alleviated some of these concerns that, that you brought up because I had similar feelings. of just the the way that he sort of juxtaposed different events were kind of quick. There was a lot of quick transitions that I sort of had to go back to and, hmm. and, and like look back. Like, like you mentioned it right now, I didn't even realize that he had his backpack and he was wandering back, and he's just found these random streets, uh, like these random uh, alien people, that that, uh, a, like
1: hobos. That was a great ass bum fight. Like, like from yeah, was, like from for, for, for
6: me, I thought it was like while they were having sex in that, and that one page, he sort of caught off the corner of his eye, like the the falling, um, like whatever, and then that's what he was going to. So it's on the page, my dude. Like. At any rate,
1: wait, 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 wait. You thought I'm sorry. You thought while they were having sex, they saw a bump fight.
6: No, no, no. While they're having sex, like um, there was uh, these meters that, that fell down, and that's like where the the ship had, it crashed, and that's what he found afterwards.
1: Okay, okay. I like, so, like I like when I misheard better, but that's okay. <laughs>
6: <laughs> <laughs> like, like for me, it was just sort of uh, it was. It jumped a bit and it, it was a little quick paced, um, but I, I do think that it delivers on sort of his adventure, and I think that's fun. Uh, and The art's phenomenal. So, oh, I, I, I do want to apologize because I, I think I had mentioned the when we first talked about this in the promo images, the colors were really not, they were really dark and murky, and I think uh, looking at, at it now and the way it has been produced, uh, it reminds me a lot of like some uh, Mobius shit, and I'm ah. into it, mm. especially those first two pages, two or three.
5: I think uh, just speaking to your your point on Mobius, that the 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 page where he climbs into the the ship where uh uh Chris is that's that's a very Mobius page. Mm.
0: So, P, you didn't like it, right?
4: Um. No, I, it's not that I didn't like it. I, I I'm aligned with uh, what Kale said, where uh, I the writing in a lot of ways really didn't work for me, but the I thought the art was like incredible. Like I thought this was a really solid issue, and like uh, Sharp like gets to cover a lot of ground, yeah. and do a lot of very very different like pages and like the paneling is incredible. Like there's some, like the, like we were talking about the scene of him walking down the road and there's those couplets of three, like placed at the bottom and then the top of the next page, like, or like the, when he gets to uh, new Oa, you know, and there's like a lot of really creative paneling. And I, I was just blown away by the art in this issue. Um, and I, I don't, I can't express that enough. But when it came to the writing, um, I definitely agree that, like, I felt like it was a little too bouncy, and I found the opening of the issue to be, like, really tough to get into. Um, I, similar to Kale, like, I I found myself, I reread it, like, before I had finished the issue, because I got to the point where we cut to Earth, and I was just like, I feel so lost on what happened and what I was supposed to take away there, and, like... I don't – I, like, don't want to keep going not knowing. So I went back and reread it and was just like this – it just feels off to me. You know, like, the action felt kind of hard to follow. I feel like mm-hmm. – like you said, it's this very bouncy, flowery kind of, you know, dialogue and writing and, like, the aliens speak and all these random name drops. And I was just like, this is a lot to keep up with right now. And I'm – I, like, it was, it was tough. And I, I felt like a lot of the dialogue did not feel realistic to me. You know, like, it felt very, like, like, it has, like, sometimes his writing has, like, the, a kind of, like, Shakespearean quality for me. Like, mm-hmm. where it's, like, it, it's very, like, it, it feels like it's it's good writing, but it doesn't feel representative of how people have a conversation. And, like... Like, the, the the woman who you mentioned, Phil, right? Like, there's the one page where he has, like, an interaction with her. She says his name, like, three times, and her name isn't mentioned once. Yeah, it is.
0: Is it? Yeah. I, is I it? have it in front of me, and I didn't see it. Yeah, 100%. Uh, he says, um, he says uh, shoot, uh, how much of this emergency vitamin C does a okay. healthy person need, Eve? Thank you. Okay, sorry about that. Uh,
4: but... Either way, uh, she does say his name like three times. Hal Jordan. And it it just Hal Hal Jordan Hal, and it, it just I don't know like it, there's something about it that just doesn't doesn't work for me, and and it's specifically like the dialogue that's that's really like throwing me off. But I I'm interested in like I'm interested in following the book at least for a little bit longer. Because I I really was so taken by the art. And I think that this is, like, an issue where, like, Sean brings this up a lot, where the mark of a really good comic often is, like, if you could look at it without the dialogue and get a sense of what's happening. And I think we'd miss a lot of, like, the setup for some of the things that we're going to be exploring in this book. But I think, like, the, the visual storytelling is so strong that, like, even though the dialogue really wasn't working for me, I still
0: enjoyed the issue.
1: Where are you, Ashon? So Restore Balance was, to the Force
0: I don't know if this is balance necessarily, but I thought it was really good. Yeah. Um I So so I think what I got, I don't know if this is what I was supposed to get, but what I got was that on one side, there's this crazy space stuff going on, right? Yep. Larger-than-life stuff, stuff that's not for humans, right? And then on the other side, you've got a guy, you know, stand, uh, laying on the ground watching the stars, you know? Um, a very That's a very human thing, you know? At most times in your life, you've been – at some point or another, you've been that person who's been looking up in the stars maybe as a kid – You wanted to know what was in the stars. Hal Jordan is the kind of guy who probably did that as a kid and then got to live it out. And And I I, I, I wonder if that's
6: even like, I wonder if that's even like, kind of like patrolling even, like sort of maybe an allusion to it and just looking up at the stars in his like sector.
0: Right. Yeah. That was actually my, probably my favorite page was just him laying there because there was so much that was there. I think, I think there was more spoken about how there than at any other points in the issue, uh, which speaks to the strength of that. Um, and I, I, you know, Grant writes weird. He's 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 you know he's got a style that's very unique and different, and uh, I like it. I happen to be a fan, so I'm into it. Um, the bum fight was funny. Uh, I like that they mm. were aliens and that he was able to pick that up. That shows how smart he is on uh, how tuned into all this he is. I think if you have never read Green Lantern before, this issue is actually a great introduction. Because um I it, it it approaches it if you if you look at it from Hal's perspective and if you approach it on that level, it doesn't start with him just being this super cop. It starts with him on the, at the bottom, you know, divorced yeah. from it all. And it pulls you in with crazy stuff. Because that's what the world outside of Earth is actually like. And so I thought it was a brilliant way to introduce this series. Um,
4: go ahead, Pete. I, I, did just, I did just want to say, because I was very critical of the dialogue, that uh, that scene that you just called out is actually really funny. Like, I thought the way that they spoke, like, where they were, like, trying to imitate human speech, I thought it was fucking hilarious.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, I love the way that the scene where he gets his uh, lantern, yeah. the, the actual lantern back, I love the style that Grant wrote that. That felt very old school, but it also felt very sci-fi. And uh, he always taps in so well to tone and tenor when he writes books, and I think this is a perfect example. A lot of people think that it's cheesy that he goes, you know, um, he's got that whole thing in in Brightest Day and Blackest Light, blah, blah, blah. Beware my power, Green Lantern's light. A lot of people think that's cheesy. I thought that was awesome
4: right that's so cool. That page is incredible. Yeah, are you kidding
0: me? And like, you know
4: like just look i don't know just look at that art it looks so fucking epic and it's like to me like it makes it seem like yeah man like he's a part of this creed you know like this like you know it it, it isn't supernatural but it like feels like it you know like it feels like there's like a real sense of importance to that oath and like it's visually represented here of like yeah like it is like It's like a coven, you know, that, like, gives him this fucking incredible power that, like, just, I don't know, that fucking shot of, like, the space in the background with the green cloud surrounding him and everything is just, like, it's so, it's such a striking image.
0: Yeah. There's nothing you need to know about how Jordan or the Green Lanterns, that isn't in this issue. It's it's all there. Hmm. And that's a testament to Grant's understanding of what this issue had to be. And I think he delivered in spades. And then I also love the tease of what's to come at the end. And uh, I'm also a big fan of the, um, the uh, the oh my god, what are they called? The little blue guys? I'm blanking. Oh, the Guardians. Thank you. Jesus. The Guardians. Uh, I'm a big fan of how they're portrayed as like, they're, they're supposed to be these protectors with are kind of power hungry, pretty arrogant. Oh, yeah, yeah. I love that. I love the way he showcased that. And I, I just, I can't wait for more. Liam Sharp killed it here too. Dude, like,
4: I, this is just, like, such an incredible fucking, like, I, it's, like, one of those things where, like, I was um going to, like, pull out pages when I was reading it so that I would have them ready to, like, reference, you know? And I literally realized I had marked down, like, more than, like, half of the pages. Because it was just, like, there's so many examples of just incredible moments. But you mentioned the, uh, the tease at the end. What's, what is that? I don't know. I'm not like you said, like a new Green Lantern oh. reader. Like, who is that guy? Wait, wh- where are you? Wh- so,
5: so I think what Sean was mentioned was talking about specifically was the coming soon bit. I
0: I was talking about the the coming soon, and I was also talking about uh, oh the, oh okay, the okay. There's some kind of a traitor. I always love those kinds of hooks. Um, but as to who that is at the at the very last, like story page? I don't yeah. know. And I was hoping the film knew. Uh
1: the last panel is is Hal talking to a guardian. What do you what, which one are you
4: talking about?
5: No, no 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 the uh the asteroid X bit. I'll show did, you.
4: Oh did you not see this page? Oh wait 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 What why am I not seeing that you, did you not see this? It's like kind of a big deal. No, wait,
1: I got it. I like got I, it. I got I, it. Yeah, yeah.
4: So wait, real it, quick, while while Phil's pulling this up, I loved the machinery in the background here. It has like such a H.R. Giger like alien yeah, yeah. vibe, yeah. where it's like got the like it's very organic looking, like just Jesus Christ, good job, Liam. Like well, what, what a what a phenomenal well, display. That's,
1: okay, so that's Controller Moo from the Planet Chord and the. Uh, uh, anti matter universe. Uh, what looks like he's weaponizing
4: an anti matter Hal Jordan.
5: Yeah, that's what I was okay. gonna. Yeah, he's yeah. He looks like a a yellow a yellow lantern Hal Jordan.
4: That's what I was thinking, and I, that was I was gonna ask if it was maybe um like like maybe like uh cause doesn't is it Hal who becomes Parallax? Yes. Yeah. Yes, and I know like that's yellow and everything, so I was wondering if maybe that was a nod to that, and it was like an alternate universe version of him or something. Or I I don't know. We will have to see. Uh, One thing that's
1: clear is he's definitely at least giving a head nod to Jeff Johns uh, because the big what what I originally thought we were talking about is how the Guardian is talking to Hal Jordan saying we can't trust the Book of O anymore, and there's a giant insignia of Doctor Manhattan.
5: What? Well, yeah, I mean I I think that is yeah, that's definitely a tease of what's to come for sure.
1: My, my,
6: I, oh like, Snap, I didn't even see I didn't even notice that.
4: You got up to Yeah, nice I didn't I didn't pick it. up what that was. I didn't I didn't pick I up on what, what that black was at first hole either. thing or something. Huh? Yeah, I was thinking it was just like like um like a solar system or something, but now that you say that it's like holy shit. That's yeah, why I can't trust like, the book,
1: cause that's he's incredible. been rewriting history. He's been rewriting the multiverse. That's yeah, cool. right
0: of course this is, it''s, it's Holy shit
1: that's really cool yeah,
0: this 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 issue is awesome, and I love what uh Grant is setting up well,
1: I wanted to speak on so one thing I really like about this issue is the way it juxtaposes tone. everything that happens in the yes. first few pages is wild and crazy and weird, and you don't know any of these characters and you don't know what exactly is going on, but you get a sense that like uh a lantern just has his finger cut off. Uh, and you, you you get this wide spectrum of of weird Green Lanterns. You got a robot man who speaks in binary. You have, uh, as I mentioned before, a virus Lantern. You have all this crazy shit happening against this spider pirate, and then it cuts to how Jordan lay on, on the planet Earth, just looking at the stars. Everything's a lot slower. Everything like you kind of touched on this before, but I think this is like that's the point of what Grant's trying to do here. Is he's 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 juxtaposing life on earth being simple and how is a transient person on earth but out in space when you first introduce him uh, when you're first introduced to him as the green lantern he outsmarts this giant monster creature who's like oh yeah watch me i'll just grow really big and how's like all right well you're gonna fuck up your ankles then dude uh yeah it, 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 the contrast between life on earth and life as a green mm-hmm. lantern that's that's what this issue is, and it, it's I think it's really effective at that. Um, there, there's another aspect I think. Uh, I, I think I think Grant writes with a little pretense in the sense that uh, he just will write with the assumption that you know readers are going to come along with him on the journey, uh, and. I think if you're a new reader, that's how you kind of learn about the history of Batman. Is like, oh, maybe you don't know all this history of uh, Neil Adams or or the stuff that happened in the fifties, but you read along and you kind of you learn on the fly with him because he he takes you along
4: with his uh, clever exposition. You know, I think that's something that is uh, is interesting because to to your point, like now that I've you know this is. Not my first Morrison book uh, at this point. And I've kind of, like, getting that experience with um, when we did the Superman book club, which you should go check out, uh, I, I remember kind of, like, having that at the back of my mind that that was something that he did, right, is, like, that he really takes care to try to honor, like, all of the history of the character. And it's interesting because I don't really know much of anything about Green Lantern. Like, he's one of the heroes that I'm I'm probably the least familiar with. But I could tell that that was a thing. You know, like, there were a lot of nods to major events that, like... It made it feel like there was... A lived-in mythology. Like, yes. Yeah, exactly. and And it was apparent when he was doing new things and when he was making references. But it was because, like... It it did just feel like a world where all those things are true, right? Like it feels like you're talking about history, and that's that's really cool. And
6: and it sorry, and uh, I guess my my last point on it is like the speaking to that lived in mythology. It sort of feels like that's how you sort of jump into um, like older EC comics, uh, this, especially like that that were in like the sci fi variety. Um, I have a collection called The Spawn of Mars and you only have a story across eight pages and so you have to fill the world with this sort of vibrancy pretty pretty quick and just throw your character in there and, and build that story out of it. So I think it, it also, uh, for me, it drew from that in terms of its pace and, and the way that it kind of just immerses you in the get-go. Um,
1: what's what's terrific about Grant is he intrinsically understands the character uh, like characters in general, and he's able to take that and put them in weird Grant Morrison settings and context. So, this issue established like the three F's of Hal Jordan, which I posted in the chat. Hal likes to fight. Hal likes to fly. Hal likes to fuck. <laughs> he, he does all three of them in this book. Uh, but with that, if you look at the cover of the third issue of this book that's already out, it's how. It appears that it's Hal Jordan arresting God, huh. like the white beard, white robe God. <laughs> Interesting, and that's what that's what Grant does. He does shit like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I I think this was a knockout punch. Uh, I think that both creators delivered hugely, and if, if, I I I'm, Excuse me, because it's not both. It's it's three. Um, there is the I believe there's a uh, who is it a colorist or, or... Oh, something? Olive? Yeah, there's a, there's a colorist. Um, there we go. On Steve Olive is the colorist, and he yes. did a great job as well. So uh, hats off to all of the people involved with creating uh, this issue. I know
1: you're wrapping up. One last point I want to make, uh, <sighs> Kelly. You're talking about him. Traveling with a backpack and stuff. The tease for the next coming issues has him and Green Arrow together, which alludes to the hard traveling heroes. Mm-hmm. So it, it leads me to believe yeah. we're gonna get more of the exposition of his past.
5: Sure. And yeah, I'm I'm uh, listen, it's a it's a Morrison book. I'm on board. Um But yeah, it just it, I don't think uh this issue worked as well for me. As much as it did you guys, I think um, on the initial pitch, it just didn't quite. For me, it just didn't quite hit it. But I mean, you know, this is only the beginning of the arc, so you know, I'm 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 willing to see where it goes. So,
0: cool. Any other final thoughts? Then
4: that's really my takeaway too. Um, I I it didn't it didn't deliver for me across the board, but I'm very interested in the threads that have been laid. And I think it, um, to your, a point you made earlier, Sean, I do think it is a good introduction to a character that I'm not familiar with at all because the, the, the parts where I felt lost were not the parts where he was teaching me about the character that I'm going to be following. Hmm. So that's good. And at the very least, um, I'm interested in, in continuing to follow it because I just think that Liam's work is, is fantastic. And like, I want to see, I want to see what rabbit holes Grant takes him down. You I'm, know, so I'm I'm definitely along for the ride at least for now.
1: Marco, I I, I saw that page where he, he uh, recites the Green Lantern incantation, and I just thought I, I looked at it. And I thought this is some Marco ass shit because it's just so pulpy. Uh, he's standing on yeah. the cover of, like Luke Skywalker on the original Star Wars poster with
4: like mm-hmm, his
2: mm-hmm.
4: yeah, was good ass shit. Do you know what was my favorite page? Was um the the one where he swoops in and he's like, uh, nobody panic, chill, I've got this and he's got the arm and the taunt, the, you know, sixteen ton <laughs> weight crushing that guy. It's just oh, it's so incredible. That was good. That was real good. Ugh.
6: It's a lot of yeah. um and Good issue. Like some Toddlebin and uh Stephen Bissett stuff that I think is really, really cool,
0: like inspired by, I think. Did did you have any uh any other final thoughts, Marco, that you wanted to share? Nope. <laughs> cool. <clears throat> Phil?
1: It good. <laughs> uh, I'm excited to be reading Green Lantern again. It's been,
0: like, six years. Dude, I am right there with you. I haven't touched it since Jeff yeah. left. It, it... Uh, at least not, not Green Lantern proper. I read the, the Green Lanterns book that starred um, mm. Jessica Cruz and Simon Baz. Was that any good? Um Yeah, it actually was really good, but I haven't read any Green Lantern proper since Jeff left, so I was so excited to be back with this character.
1: Yeah, it just felt like honestly the reason why I I apologize for posting the uh, pages in there, but I was just really excited to be back on Green Lantern. It just like felt like I was
0: home again.
1: Uh, I was just really excited, and uh, (laughs) I let I let it get me a little carried away.
0: Yep, I I'm right there with you, and uh, I can't wait to see what what Grant has in store for me next, I've sorely missed getting to read Green... Uh, not Green Lantern. Well, yes, Green Lantern, but also Grant Morrison on Superhero Comics. Yeah. So I'm very happy with this. Green Morrison. <laughs> so that's going to do it for our review of Green Lantern number one. Uh, let us know if you want us to continue talking about this book. We obviously enjoy it, but what did you guys think? Uh, there are plenty of ways that you can reach out to let us know your thoughts. Um, you can hit us up on social media. We are at The Comics Pals. You can write to us about anything we talked about on this or any other episode of The Comics Pals by hitting us up at TheComicsPals at gmail.com. And we are on YouTube, where if you are checking this out on YouTube, make sure that you hit us with a like. Uh, make sure you subscribe to our channel. Drop us a comment. Share this video with your friends. All that stuff is free to do. Helps us out a lot more than it costs you. Uh, I do just want to make mention of a couple of things that we've got going on. Uh, Our most recent book club is out now. It's called Infidel. uh, So you're going to want to check that out. It's a horror comic, so if you're still feeling uh, the spooky vibes post-Halloween, that's a book that you definitely want to check out. And of course, our next book club is actually Pride of Baghdad. Uh, That's a a Brian K. Vaughn book, so uh, stick around for that. That's going to drop the last Friday of November. So you've got quite a bit of time to check that out. It's only like five issues or something. So, um, read that ahead of, ahead of our, uh, of our episode dropping. And of course, we've got a bunch of New York Comic Con stuff still on YouTube. So if you want to check out our interview with Dan Doherty or Dirk Manning or whoever else we talked to, we talked with. Ed Brisson, we mentioned today. Yes. We did one with him as well. Yes. Uh, You can head over to our YouTube page, check all that stuff out. Um, Lots of good content. Fill me in. uh, Various interviews, great stuff. So uh, let's do some plugs, Pete.
4: You mean you mean Akira Akira, Yoshida? Ah yes, Akira Pete (laughs) Cheeta. So uh, no, no, I, I don't like it either. Try again. No. So if you want to connect enough. with me, I'm uh, at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. You can talk to me about um, the East. <laughs> so uh, if you want to get some more content from me, you can find me and Sean over on our sister's show, The Video Game Pals, uh, where we – funny enough, we talk about video games every week, uh, much like we do on the show. So it's, uh, it's a great time if you're a gamer, so go give it a shot. Um, I will have my thoughts on the uh, – sequel, I guess, to Undertale. This week, Deltarune. Finally got uh, to spend some time with that, so very excited to talk about that with Andy and uh, and Thompson, who I think is also going to get a chance to play it before then. And uh, you can also catch me on our Let's Play show with Thompson Pals Play, where this week we will be playing, you guessed it, Deltarune. So go check that out. And um, you can also find me over at loopots.com where I work on uh, doing some Nintendo news and reviews. And I'm also the host of their weekly Nintendo podcast, The Potscast. Cast. Uh, we just had an episode all about Super Smash Brothers. So uh,
0: go give that a listen. Uh, and all that Video Game Pals content is on the Video Game Pals YouTube page. So yes. go ahead and subscribe oh. on that one as well. Yeah, where you could also find our Castlevania review. That's a thing we
4: just did. Kill. Kill.
5: You can commiserate with me about how much you wish movie theaters had intermissions. <laughs> uh, you can find my work uh, with Panels Publishing at selfie.com slash panelspublishing where Panels Publishing on Comixology and uh, you can find out more about us on panelspublishing.com uh, Come find me on Twitter and Instagram at TotoInto that's T-O-T-O-I-N-T-O-W
0: Margo.
6: You can find me on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Mr. Marco Animoto. Uh, I did want to just plug this one book that I uh, picked up yesterday. It's called Bear Immortal uh, by Jamie Smart. I don't know anything about it. The art looked really cool. It looks kind of like uh, Invader Zimmy. I could try to post something uh, on on our Instagram. Um, And it looks like sort of a horror adventure book. So uh, if you guys know anything about it, hit me up. I'm reading it. We also
5: have, uh, uh, speaking of horror adventure, we, uh, Pete, Marco, and I also recorded a, uh, a review of the Chili Adventures of Sabrina with the, uh, the girls, uh, from the Nerd League. Um, so, please check that out when that drops.
4: That should, by the time you're listening to it, it'll either be out or it'll be out within the next day or so. So, keep your eyes peeled for that one. Cool. Phil. I miss Gamora. (sighs) (laughs)
0: me too dude you can
1: find her buried on the scroll home world the new one not the old one that one was eaten by Galactus 60 years ago and uh, you can find Phil at Cyborg Bebop and you can find me at the Denny's
5: is that your old Chris Pratt impression? I
4: don't know.
1: It's just an old Peter
4: <laughs> I mean, For some reason, he gave Peter Quill a southern accent, kind of like.
1: There, it's in, perfect. In, in Star Trek, uh, when uh, Dr. McCoy, uh, there was a few episodes where they aged the characters. Uh, for whatever reason, DeForest Kelly would always portray old bones as having like a very deep southern voice
5: he's from mississippi
1: yeah so but like he had a normal speaking voice as a regular age man oh my god what are we
4: doing sean get me out of here you got it
0: Uh, (laughs) i am on twitter and instagram at sean soapbox let's talk about uh floppy cop by dan doherty because it's really good go check it out
6: what's the catchphrase Uh, you don't need a spine to have balls
0: yes that's it (laughs) yeah super good book. Uh, Thank you to Dan for joining us. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening. We are the Comics Pals signing off. Take care, guys.
4: See you next week. Bye!
1: "Peter
2: Quail!"